G'day everyone, welcome to Ruin Hammer, episode 53, a very special episode tonight, our last episode well. Uh, special warm welcome to everyone watching through Facebook, YouTube, and an extra subscriber whose awesome support enables us to visual presentation and to bring you what you're seeing, you enjoy. Hammer, how's it going, mate? Good, mate. Uh, very excited for tonight. Uh, just want to echo your your uh, thanks to our wonderful Patreon subscribers, uh, whose support does allow us to do what we do here every week, which is bring you the uh, the best Warriors content on uh, all social media platforms. But yeah, very excited for tonight, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's one of those episodes that we absolutely love, and that is chatting to our former legends. It's an extra special one tonight, but I see he's just disappeared from the feed. Oh, he's back now. Um, so we will <laughs> bring him straight into the chat, and you'll give him a bit of an introduction. Well, well mate, yep. uh, to Warriors fans, this man needs no introduction uh, at all. He played... 11 seasons in the NRL with uh, Manly, the North Sydney Bears, Sydney Roosters, and our beloved Warriors, uh, playing 53 games in Warriors colours, including the 2002 Grand Final. As coach, he guided the Warriors to the finals in four of his six seasons, including the 2011 Grand Final. And he is the reigning NRL Premiership winning coach with the Penrith Panthers. We are truly honoured uh, to welcome Warrior 73, Ivan Cleary. Hi, Ivan. Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks, boys. My pleasure. Good to be here. Ivan, thank you so much for being here. It's an it's truly an honour for us to talk to you. You made a premiership as a coach. Um, what a remarkable last couple of seasons it's been. Yeah, thanks very much. Um, yeah, it has been. Uh, we've certainly um, yeah played at a, a high level for you know a couple of years now, and um, yeah, won certainly won plenty of games. To be able to make the grand final twos in a row, uh, yeah, fantastic achievement by the boys. Have put in a lot of hard work over that time. Um, yeah, and to be able to get get the victory, uh, yeah, this year, yeah, it was very very special. It was a very tough semi final series for our guys. Um, yeah, we, were, we were just hanging on. Really, we had a lot of injuries and probably didn't play our best footy in the second half of the season, but we were able to do enough to win enough games yeah, and that sort of that sort of kept us going in the semis as well yeah as he said uh you had a run of 17 wins in a row last season uh 20 wins a draw and just like that uh, um backed up this season with a 12 game winning streak to start the season 24 wins and only four losses this whole season culminating in the premiership um how hard is it, hard is it to to keep that kind of consistency up up in such a tough competition yeah, it is difficult. It's certainly a tough competition. There's, you know, every week's a, a, a real challenge. And I, I really, you know, I really mean that. Uh, I've certainly gone through uh, big chunks of my career uh, wishing you can get, you know, two or three wins in a row. Um, and that's, you know, uh, uh, every win you get in the NRL is, is hard fought. You know, there's a lot of work yep. that goes into it. There's preparation by the coaches, the players. Um, but there is a thing, you know, it's definitely a, a thing, you know, momentum and, and confidence. And, um, you know, we, we, we had periods of that the last couple of years, definitely. So um, we also had some good periods where, you know, injuries are kind to us and you can have some cohesion and all that type of thing. And, yeah, we had a little bit of luck there. Um, 
first stages in the last couple of years, but we've also, I think we've worked hard yeah, and come up with a bit of a, a little template that, that, you know, has worked for our team. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, yeah definitely. And, and after the loss of last season's grand final, um, did you feel the best season that anything less than a premiership might have been looked on as like a, as a failed season, so to speak? No, we didn't think like that. We we definitely that that stung that loss last year. You guys mentioned it was we went into that grand final on the back of seventeen wins. So when you haven't lost for sort of four months, um, everything was just kind of going along so nicely. We as I mentioned, we were pretty lucky with injuries. We uh, you know we were we were playing well, uh, and then in the grand final, it just went yeah just. Yeah, I guess we, yeah, what happened, what hadn't happened to us for so long happened to us in the biggest day where we, we just, yeah, got a few things wrong and the storm were good enough to, uh, especially in a big occasion, they, they, they punished us. Um, yeah, yeah any, any little mistake we made, you know, they, they capitalised. And, and in the end, we, yeah, we left that, you know, we, we felt like we left it out there and that, that was disappointing after such a, a great season, you know. Uh, so we, we went into this year, 21, um, yeah, that definitely stung, and we really, really wanted to to give ourselves an opportunity to get back and, and have another crack at it. But yeah, you know, that being said, you know, everyone starts on zero again, and you yeah. just got to yeah work hard in the preseason, make sure you do that, which we did. Uh, and then we got off to as you mentioned earlier, a really good start. We won the first twelve games. Yeah, and that just set us up for for the season ahead. And then everything changed. Everyone, you know, we we all went to Queensland. Uh, we had uh, seven guys in origin this year so that was you know the first time for six of them to play mid-season yeah. where it's totally different to a few guys played the year before at the end of the year so we had to sort of deal with a, a bunch of things lots of injuries and as yeah moved up there and um so just to be able to get there back into the grand final um just to have that opportunity it was awesome and yeah to win it is just yeah dream come true really for you know for all of us i can imagine um, and although this is definitely a chat about you, um, your son, Nathan, uh, you must be proud of, of how he's developed as a player and all the successes he's achieved to date in such a short period of time. Yeah, I, I must say to all our fans out there, what, uh, Nathan, was uh, his first team was the Warriors, so still yeah. got a bit of a soft spot for him. Awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, look, yeah, so proud of him, I'm, you know, my wife and I have four kids. We're very proud of all of them. But Nathan certainly, uh, yeah, he's done. He's done very, very well. He's he's puts a lot of work in. Um, he's been through some hard times, which has only helped him really. Uh, but but yeah, what he's achieved so far in his young life is far and away beyond anything we or probably he could have ever dreamed of. So yeah, it's pretty special. Um, it's a pretty special thing for a coach to to put a Clive Churchill medal around their um, their player's neck. Can you tell us what it's like to do it as a father, um, not only as a coach? Like, that must have been something that was pretty surreal. Yeah, it was totally surreal. I still I still can't really put it into words. It, was, it still feels a little bit like a dream. I had no idea that I was actually presenting the medal in the first place. I, I'm not sure if any coach has ever done it before. It's usually a, a Clive Churchill's widow or, or yeah. family member. Or, but because it was in Queensland and... And those guys are in Sydney. Uh, I guess they had to come up with a different plan. So I actually don't know whether they gave it to me because Nathan was going to win it or 
Oh, I actually don't know. So, but I didn't know until just before. Um, and just, yeah, to be able to do it, I mean, it was, uh, it was like, I was pretty, you know, emotional and, and very excited as it was just to be standing out there after we won. Um, yeah, but to be able to do that and hear his name and he, he walks out and I give him the medal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, yeah, he, couldn't, he couldn't write that script, honestly. No, dreaming, so. no. <laughs> yeah, what can I say? It was amazing. Yeah, yeah amazing moment. All right, Ivan, we'll take you all the way back to the beginning of your rugby league. Where did you grow up and who was your junior club? Yeah, so I grew up on the northern beaches of Sydney in, in the Manly, Manly area. Um, I actually played soccer uh, most of my childhood through my teens as well. I played rugby league at school, um, but it was more than just – I was a fan of the game. Uh, I was a Balmain Tigers fan, actually, as a kid. My oh, dad wow. was a big Balmain fan, so, yeah. But I used to go down to Brookvale Oval because it was a local kind of was, – wasn't far from where I lived. And watch Manly, Manly play. Uh, Graham Meady was a bit of a hero of mine, even though I was a Tigers fan. Uh, he was like the, seemed to be the, the best player for Manly in those days. Um, and then I, it wasn't until I was about 18 where I started, I, I, yeah, I started playing rugby league sort of seriously, club footy, played for the Narrowena Hawks, um, oh, yeah. just near, near DUI and the beaches there. Um, yeah, I played with my brother. My, I've got two brothers. My brother, Ash, he's, he, he played a bit of footy here and there, and he said he was going to go and play for them. So I, I'd take along and said, I'm in. So we played together in B grade in those days, it was called. Um, yeah. Under 23s, I think. He was he was halfback, I was 5'8". That was super fun. <laughs> Even though our team wasn't very good. Um, yeah, and I, I got... I was, that was back in the day where there were still open trials for... Uh, well, well, sort of open. It was sort of you know, um, invitations, I suppose. But it was trials for the um, the under twenty ones, which was the President's Cup. Uh, yep. And I I got a trial there and played a couple of games. I really didn't think I played that well. I had no expectation. I got picked in that team. Uh, the next year I played first grade, so it all, yeah. all came pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> well, your first grade career. Began in in '92 in round 14 in a six-all draw against the Western Suburbs Magpies. Uh, what do you remember about your first grade debut? Yeah, it was a terrible day. It was a howling, uh, howling wind uh, and pretty grey. I'm not sure if it rained, but it was really, really windy. Uh, we played against, as you said, the Western Suburbs Magpies, who were coached by, I believe, Warren Ryan. Mm who coached Balmain when I was a fan. Um, There's some yep. pretty big names in that West team. Uh, David Gillespie, Jason Taylor was a, was a half halfback. Um, Paul Langmack was playing. Andrew Farrow, those kind of guys. They were, they were a pretty tough team. Jim Dimmick was playing. He was only young. Yep. And I was playing with Manly, who was just, yeah, was uh, filled with, yeah, superstars. We had a really good team. Michael O'Connor was our captain. There was Jeff Tuvey, Cliffy Lyons. Um, Desi Hasler, uh, Ian Roberts, these kind of guys. It was it just, I actually remember when I, when I got told that I was playing, it was sort of like it didn't really hit home. And I remember during the week, I was eating breakfast and uh, the local paper was a Manly Daily. So yep. it just used to get delivered to your door. And I, and I opened the paper while I was eating breakfast and it had, used to have the, you know, the team list 
it's probably on a Wednesday or something. And, and when I actually saw my name in amongst all these other guys, I couldn't eat breakfast. I couldn't eat the rest of my breakfast. I was that nervous. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I won't tell you what else I did on a Wednesday night. I actually had a few beers with, with some mates down at, uh, do <laughs> headland. Uh, I thought it was like, it was four days before the game, so I thought I was being professional. So, <laughs> anyway, yeah, I wouldn't tell that, wouldn't tell that to my boys now, but um, yeah, and yeah, played the game. Um, uh, it was a tough game. Um, yeah, I remember sitting, and I, uh, after the game, I was, I was went to a mate's 21st, and I got there. Uh, I was first, I was first there, there was no one there, and I was just sitting at this bar and just. Yeah, I couldn't believe what happened. I just could not believe that I just played first grade because it was like a, a dream come true. I'll never, I'll never forget that day. Yeah, it, was, it was very special. That's awesome. Yeah. One more game in 1992. And in 1993, a season-ending injury to Matt opportunity to play 13 straight games as fullback from round through to the semi-final loss to Brisbane. That must have been year 93. Yeah, it was. I uh, after yeah, as you said, a couple of games in '92. Um, I went into '93. I was sort of like thinking, I didn't, I couldn't really see that bigger career ahead of me or anything. Um, I remember, I, I yeah, I trained hard that year, but I was sort of like a little bit. I don't know. I was just. I was a bit more. Um, I was getting into some other stuff. And, um, I just didn't think that I'd get much of a chance. Much so a chance. I was. Sort of, I felt. I felt I felt like I was less pressure on me. I put less pressure on myself. Uh, our reserve grade team was good that year. We, we kicked off. So I played like, I don't know, eight or 10 reserve grade games. And we were, we were winning games, which was unusual for a manly reserve grade team back then. <laughs> so that was good. Felt like I was playing well. But again, I wasn't really thinking about too much. Um, those were the days where you'd play reserve grade and, and you'd sit on the bench for first grade. There'd be like, I don't know, six or eight guys. Yeah, because you could just pick out whoever you needed, and we'd all sit there and, you know, these <laughs> these days your bench gets and you know gets up and warms up every now and then. We just sit there under a blanket, and, you know, talk shit pretty much <laughs> as the game was going on. Anyway, next next thing you know, um, you know, after playing a full game as great, next thing yeah, as you mentioned, um, Matthew Ridge goes down, and basically the the, the one of the trainers, one of the I don't know, trainers or assistant coaches, whatever it was, just yells out to me. I just straight off, literally just run off the bench, straight onto the field. We we're playing Balmain at Brookie, and it was, uh, yeah, I just went out into this unbelievable noise, and there was a lot of people there, and uh, with no warm up. And next thing you know, Paul Sirenin's running at me. <laughs> I remember just throwing, throwing myself in front of him and. I think he tripped over me or something, and anyway, stopped him, and uh, and then I, I scored a try off a Cliffy Lyons put a bomb up, and I chased it and and scored off it, and uh, yeah, that was just incredible. Um, yeah. And then after the game, it was like, yeah, well, yeah, Ridgie's done his knee, so you're in, and um, yeah, I just I had the best time. We, we, yeah, that was an awesome team. We were winning games, and um, yeah, it was super fun, and I never expected it, so that was really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. It's it's funny you should mention your first try. We always ask all our guests, do you remember your first try in first grade? And uh, well, you, obviously you do. And funnily enough, it was against your beloved Balmain Tigers. 
Yeah. <laughs> that is pretty weird because um, I was literally a fan until I started playing. So I started playing great, yeah. you know. Um, actually, the two second rollers for Valmain that day were Mark Guyer and uh, Paul Serena. I mean, seriously. You, talk about the dynamic duo. Yeah. Both yeah. the biggest men ever. <laughs> yeah. And I just, just, I just, the fact that I said, uh, yeah, Cliffy Lyons put a bomb up. I remember he looked at me and, um, he goes, he, he used to call me Ted. I don't know why, but anyway, he, he said, uh, chase this, chase this. I said, right, I'm on. <laughs> just the fact that I got to play with Cliffy Lyons is, uh, is unbelievable. Like, cause he was, I actually think Cliffy Lyons is the best player I ever saw and I got to play with him. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Awesome. Um, the, the back end of that 90s season, you score eight tries, you kick 47 goals from 67 attempts, and you get the attention of uh, the mighty North Sydney Bears. Tell us how, how the switch from Manly to North came about. Uh, yeah, well, I, I knew that um, Matthew Ridge was going to be back. I think he was still contracted for another two years. He was an outstanding player and a real key man and down there at Manly. So I sort of... Um, the Bears were looking for a fullback, so yeah, that's pretty much how that worked. Um, I was so happy to play for Manly. I, I was just, yeah, it was just a dream come true, and and just to be able to play for your local team and uh, and such a good team yeah. and everything. But you know, like by that stage, it was like I said, I didn't really expect it at the start of the year, but but, but once you played, you know, um, that many games and done well and played in the semis, played in the semis against the Broncos, which was yeah, that was a huge day. We got flogged, but it was that was something. Uh, yeah, a really cool experience back in the day when when you used to play all the semis at the SFS. Yeah, that's right. Yep. So it was a day game. I remember running out of the tunnel that day. And usually, when you play at the SFS, it was against South or the Roosters or someone who were both weren't weren't very good at that time. Yeah, it'd be maybe five thousand people. The run out when it was forty thousand full, and it was just against playing against the Broncos, who were like an unbelievable team. They ended up winning. That was it. They went. They went back to back from '92. Won it again '93. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that was really cool. So it was almost like, well, yeah. I mean, I've got a. If I get an opportunity to further my career, I've, I've got to take it. So it was just up the road at the Bears. Yep. My brother-in-law, um, uh, my future brother-in-law, Josh Stewart, was playing up there. So I knew a few guys up there. Yeah. yeah so uh, even though I was sad to go, it was just yeah, it was a bit of a no-brainer as well. So yeah. Yeah. Right. Brad North is a fullback for the '94 season, but an injury sees you out for the for the most part of that '94 season. And you return in round eight in the centres due to the outstanding form of the young Matt Sears, um, who was start at fullback that year. Um, was centre a new position for you, or had you played that? Yeah, I played a little bit. I actually played started in the centres uh, when I played grade under twenty ones for Manly, so. Um, I did play first, I uh, fullback, sorry, until I, I think I played reserve grade uh, later or the following year. Um, a guy called Marty Gurr was my reserve first reserve grade coach at Manly, and he played yeah, a lot of fullback. I think he played fullback for New South Wales, actually, Marty. So he saw he saw that in me, so that was that was good. Um, so when I went to the North, yeah, I got injured early, and, and Susie just yeah took off when he played. He was playing fantastic. So I was happy just to get a, a game. I was playing fullback in reserve grade, but I was just happy to get a game in first grade. So, yeah, played the centres. Uh, um, I was just 
yeah, I, I don't know. Again, they were a really good team. That, that 94 team was outstanding for the Bears. We had a real good chance to win the comp that year against some unbelievable opposition. Broncos, Canberra, who ended up winning it. They were like, uh, there obviously was no salary caps in those days because that, that team was just in, like, it was like an Australian team. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah a, few, a, few, a few Kiwis in there too, but you name it, they had everyone. And, yeah. Um, yeah, we it's actually the preliminary final that year with um, against Canberra. Um, the game started and, and we scored the first try and then uh, Dave Ferner got Dave Ferner got sent off. Oh no, sorry, I think Lomax or Pongi or one of those two. He got uh, they Johnny, got sent off. Johnny Lomax because he missed the grand final. That Johnny year. Lomax. Yeah, yeah right. Lomax. Johnny Lomax got yeah. got sent off, and I remember thinking, probably shouldn't have been thinking this, but I remember thinking, oh man, well, we're we're up by six, they're down to twelve. We're, we could be going to the GF here. Yeah. Uh, anyway, about five minutes later, uh, Greg McCallum was a ref. He evened it up. Gary Larson got sent off for a few. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. And um, yeah. yeah, which I have seen, I have seen again, and it was a bad one. <laughs> I <thought laughs> we could, I thought we got stitched up at the time, but I don't think we did. Uh, and then it became, yeah, 12 on 12 against the Raiders, so that wasn't good. Um, yeah, Ricky Stewart was throwing 40-minute passes to Laurie Daly and Brett Mullins and Cowan. Yeah, I remember getting run around a couple of times that day. So, yeah, unfortunately, we yeah, we, we were close, uh, but had a great fun year. That was really cool. Yeah, I mean, I went there to play fullback, but in, in the end, I was happy to just be part of that team. It was a... Yeah, really fun time. Yeah, um, like you said. But that, but that didn't last long, which you're probably going to get to soon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was going to say that they, that 94 season, as you said, they did. you did hit a real purple patch of form because you won 10 from the last 11 in the run into the semifinals, uh, which got you second place. And you only finished one point behind the eventual minor premiers, which were Canterbury. But as you said, you'd bowed out of the semi-finals. You actually lost to Canberra twice in the final series, in the major semi and then in the prelim final. That's uh, kind of a bizarre yeah. thing to happen, isn't it? Yeah. But, um, you guys you guys do your research. I can't you know, I don't remember that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we used to have some great days at North and the Oval. Yeah. Like we would absolutely uh, – one thing that we were good at is if we got in front of someone, we would just – went on with it you know it was a bit like um probably what the storm did this year really but um you know they get in front and you just yeah we would just destroy teams at north and the other it was really fun yeah. um yeah yeah we what well, one thing that a great memory from that final series we actually knocked brisbane out yep they were the yeah they'd won two years in a row and uh jt kicked a field goal yeah uh, really good one he, he was so good at field goals but uh, anyway he kicked a field goal and I still remember when that siren went. I remember Alfie Langer throwing his mouth guard on the ground in disgust, and I just thought, "Oh, how good's that?" Because <laughs> I didn't. Alfie, Alfie was the kind of guy that would always. He wouldn't show his. Um, he was the sort of guy that would, you know. I think if he lost or whatever, he'd, he'd sort of joke and like he, he didn't want to show how much it hurt him. But yeah. when he showed that, when he did that, I was like, anyway. I thought you, it's, you guys have had you, you've had your Time of the sun. It's time for yeah, sun. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you got him that day. <laughs> um, well, five. Another I didn't, good year my, my for team, the Bears. My teammates and... did. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, you qualified for another final series in 95, but then you the Roosters for 96. How and why did that come about? Yeah, so I actually signed uh, a year in advance, which was it's it's not uncommon now. It's almost happening, I feel, too often now. But um, yeah, what happened? I'd signed. I had. A, I think I'd signed for two years at Norse, 94-95. and then after ninety four season, they wanted to extend me, which I was happy to do. And then uh, Gus Gould came knocking. He'd, he'd gone to the Roosters, and they were looking for a fullback uh, and a goal kicker. So that was sort of up my alley um but i didn't really i wasn't really and yeah, i wasn't really that keen to make a decision that quick but the bears kind of wanted me to make one as well so that was really hard i i i armed an art over that the whole off season didn't know what to do one day i was going to stay the next day i was going to leave uh, but in the end uh, yeah i i decided to leave probably just because uh, yeah Fullback, I felt, was my best my best chance of um, playing my best, and also the goal kicking thing. I thought, you know, was going to help help me in my career. The Roosters were definitely looked like a side on the up, and yeah, that was a tough call actually. Uh, ended up playing the '95 season. Uh, pretty much in those days, if you, if anyone did sign a contract, you know, a year out, they would definitely leave. They they would get a release and leave because no one wanted to have someone who wasn't going to be there long term they just felt they weren't going to put in or yeah or they get yeah that's exactly right so the the bears are really good about it they um they just said no you're not leaving us all i'm not asking anyway i'm i'm happy to stay you know i didn't want to i wasn't going to ask for a lease it wasn't that wasn't anything that was right and i didn't want to anyway i was happy to wait the 12 months and go then which i did um yeah i don't reckon i didn't have a great year it was okay um, we didn't have a great year either as a team. Yeah, got knocked out of the finals by by the Knights first up at uh, Parramatta Stadium. God knows why we're playing there. But anyway, um, yeah. Then I started my my little journey with the Roosters, which um, yeah, it was a really fun four years. Yeah, yeah. Playing at the Roosters, um, you return to both a fullback role and also take on the goal kicking, as you said. Midway through the 97 season, you shifted to the centres again uh, and Andrew Walker moves to fullback. And this becomes the norm for like the next three seasons that you're at the Roosters. Honestly, did that frustrate you or you didn't truly didn't care where you played so long as you were playing? Uh, yeah, it kind of frustrated me, probably because I realised that they just kept finding better fullbacks than me. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they were like the position was coming. That was probably the start of where the position was changing. Where um, when I sort of first started, it was more like a you know if you could catch eyeballs and you're a good defender and you know was safe and that kind of stuff. That's what a that's what a good fullback was. Whereas it started changing where it was becoming more a dynamic, you know, attacking type player or like you know speed and whatnot. Um, which I was slowing down, uh, and I probably didn't have all the other stuff, and I didn't have really been coached with all the other stuff either. So, oh, I mean, Andrew Walker was a phenomenal player. He was yeah. he was a five eight, but he, I remember, he was just he just wasn't really a, he was just very much an instinctive type player, which uh, sometimes worked at five eight, but sometimes didn't, and it was just a matter of time before Freddie 
Because when I first went to the Roosters, Freddie was playing lock. Yeah. Um, it was only a matter of time before he ended up going into 5-8. Into and Unc, Andrew, he was going to have to go somewhere. So fullback was probably a, a good option. So again, I, I, yes, to answer your previous question, yes, I was just happy to be in the team. Yeah. Uh, I could, yeah, I, I knew the centre role pretty well. And, you know, that was, I could do that. No problem, I, I thought. And um, yeah, just, again, it was, we were at a really good team, good bunch of guys. Um, yeah, we had a real shot pretty much every year we were there, but, yeah, it just didn't work out. But uh, I had some good times, playing some big games. Yeah. But didn't, um, yeah, didn't didn't get to a grand final. We were close, and then a couple of prelims. It was just, yeah, just we weren't weren't quite good enough. Yeah. Well, 1998 uh, was a massive season for you personally. As we said before, taking on the goal kicking duties, you amassed 722 points uh, from 29 tries, 305 from 405 goals. Sorry, sorry, that was your Roosters record. And in 1998, yeah, you, yeah sorry, I got that. Say, <laughs> yeah. Fair was, season. Yeah, that's a, a very <laughs> decent season. Man. <laughs> sorry, that was that was at the Roosters. But in, in 1998, you were the NRL's highest point scorer with 284 points. Um, that must have been satisfying, though, and one you've still got over Nathan. <laughs> yeah, that, well, I don't break many records, so I do remember that one. I think it was Mick Cronin's record, which was stood for about yeah. 20 years. So that was, I was pretty. I was pretty stoked to be able to mention in the same, you know, uh, same breath as Mick Cronin. That was cool. Yeah, we had a, a good year, um, and I scored a few tries and kicked some goals. It was awesome, but it ended badly. We lost the prelim against the Broncos up at uh, up in Brisbane, quite badly. Uh, we'd beaten newcastle and newcastle and then melbourne and melbourne and then we had to go to brisbane it was, it was i don't know i mean i don't know how that worked out i don't know why that worked out like that it was different in those days that was a tough gig that those three weeks <laughs> uh but the broncos were an unbelievable team again and, and they went on to win yeah pretty easily i think that year as well so yeah they did yeah we just you know uh, so throughout throughout my career i was lucky enough to play in good teams but we all we always seem to run into just you know you know, whether it was Canberra or um, the Broncos or even Manly and through the mid-90s were under, like three of the best teams probably in the history of the NRL at uh, various mm. times. So, yeah. yeah, but it was it was all good fun. The uh, 1999 season, another frustrating season. Injury kept you out till round 17. Um, your final game for the for the Chooks was a semi-final loss to the Dragons. Um you must look back on your time at the Roosters pretty fondly, though. Good four years. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, that was a, the last year wasn't a good one. I dislocated my hip in the first trial game against the Bears, ironically. Yeah. Um, that was in Wagga, down in Wagga. So, uh, yeah, got back. And um, that last game against the Dragons, I got knocked out, like proper knocked out. Um, that was, so that was the, the end of my Roosters career. Couldn't ever go to Mad Monday. I was feeling that bad. So. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. That's you got to be feeling pretty bad not to get to Mad Monday. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, but you know that was the um, when I was injured. Actually, I um, was out for four months or whatever it was. That's when I, I think that's when I did the deal with the Warriors. So. Yep. Um, yeah, it was that was a, you know, that was. Yeah, it was it was a different sort of thing. I never really would have expected that I would do 
I would even get the chance to come go to New Zealand. And uh, probably if you asked me, you know, a couple of years before that, I just it probably wouldn't have been on the radar. So, uh, but as it turned out, it was my wife and I. We had two kids at that stage. I think Nathan was maybe two or something, uh, two or three. So we decided yeah, we kind of jumped at it, not just not the, from a football point of view, but um, Mark Graham was the coach. I knew Mark from he was at Manly when I first was there. Graham Lowe was the coach, and so Mark was he was working with Graham, and, and then um, I knew him through the Bears as well. So yeah. um, I was keen to yeah come along and join his team, and, and just from a family and point of view, yes, do something completely different. So. It's one of the best moves I ever made, I think. So, we think so too. Was, yeah. yeah, we think so too. <laughs> you just answered my next question: was going to be, how did you miss in two thousand? But you make your Warriors debut in round one of the two thousand season against Melbourne at Mount Smart. Um, what do you remember about your Warriors debut? Yeah, I got knocked out again, actually. So <laughs> I went from no, it's true. I went from uh, yeah, getting knocked out same way too. I used to tackle predominantly low. That's how I sort of tackled. The one, the one against the Dragons was uh, against uh, yeah, a, a very good Kiwi player, Craig Smith, uh, front row. He made a break, and I thought he used to run pretty fast for a front row. And I thought, well, I'm not gonna, I've got to try and tackle him around the hips or something. Anyway, straight on the hip, hip to the head. See you later. Yeah. So then I, I was that did knock me around for two or three weeks. Actually, lucky the season was finished because not sure what would have happened otherwise. Because again, in those days, there was no real concussion protocols other than yeah. how are you mate you okay and you'd be like yep and then you're on so uh, so I was probably lucky that the season finished where I didn't have to kind of go through yeah playing when I probably wouldn't have been right um, anyway I went over to New Zealand's no, no drama did the whole preseason and then first game against Melbourne now I played against Melbourne a few times in the previous years um, and I was playing in the centers and I went to the Warriors was playing in the centers and they had a guy called Marcus Pye Marcus on the left wing. Oh, really? Marcus is a Ooh. yeah guy from Papua New Guinea and like was a rock. Just and yes, he had mm-hmm. there was zero sidestep. He just he'd say when a kick would so you kick downfield and I was on the right hand side. So you normally you know right foot kick it kicks down the right hand side. So right center get down there lead the chase all that sort of thing. And Marcus <laughs> every time he got the ball. He just looked up, saw me, and just ran as hard as he could straight at me. Every like, this was this was happening for like two or two years, and I'd just be like, oh, "Here we go again." You just go down there and you just brace yourself and do your best. And anyway, it was one of those occasions, and he, um, yeah, I got it, got my head in the wrong spot, and his elbows, knees, and whatever else he was, you know, throwing in there. Yeah, I got concussed and came off. Uh, what I didn't realise is I went back on. And um, it happened again. So the next thing I know, I was in the back of, I was in the back of an ambulance, and all these kids were banging on the back of the ambulance. And that's the first thing I remember after that. <laughs> so that, yeah, we actually won the game, and they were the premiers. So that was pretty yes. good. We, yeah, we won the game. So probably because I went off, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so a, a bit more about that. So I, I was I was in hospital, um, taken to hospital in the ambulance, and and. Um, Hugh McGahn was our footy manager, um, the great Kiwi Roosters player, Roosters second yeah. Um And he was just, he came in to see if I was all right. And I was fine. By that stage, I was fine. Like, it wasn't like the previous year where I had 
you know, symptoms afterwards and that. I was like, felt fine straight away. So anyway, he must have left. I, I don't know what happened, but um, anyway, I'm sitting in this in Auckland Hospital, which I'd been there for probably four months, I guess, four or five months in Auckland, but I'd never been really in town. I didn't know where the hospital was. And I was just sitting in my footy shorts, bare feet. And I, I think I just had a T-shirt on. I'm not sure. Anyway, I was sitting around. I just thought, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm not going to – I feel fine. So I just walked out of the hospital. And I didn't know which way to go. And I had no, I had no money. I had, didn't have anything. So I started walking down the street. <laughs> and uh, this police car pulls over. He pull, it pulls up next to me and goes, looks at me and goes, you right, mate? I said, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just – I said, do you know which way uh, – which way is um, St. Helier's? Because that's where I was living. Yeah. And the guy goes, I go, are you sure you're right? I said, yeah, I'm fine. I just, I just, yeah, I've just come out of hospital. I'm, I'm just trying to get a cab or whatever I was trying to do. I was going to get a cab and get, get my wife to pay for it when I got home. So, <laughs> yeah, anyway, got, got the cab, just went, mate, yeah, I want to go to St. Helios. Once you're there, I'll, I'll let you know where I'm, where I'm going. So, that was my debut. So, yeah, it got better <laughs> after that. Though, so. Wow. <laughs> Story. That, yeah, that is the best taboo story we've heard. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, see, except on, on a sadder note, that night, that was the night, um, um, I can't think of his name right now, um, from, from the storm there. I think he was a footy manager. Uh, oh, he, um, he, Michael. Yeah, the Cup. The cup. Yeah. Michael Moore. Yeah. Oh, God. Mike, that's it. Michael Moore. Yeah, yeah. so he. Yeah. He passed away, unfortunately, down in the drowning down the down the viaduct. Which, um, yeah, to this day, it's like I can't even imagine what, you know, what, how that how the storm crew were that night. I remember finding out the next day um, when I heard the viaduct. I didn't even know what the viaduct was at that stage. Um, yeah, but that was very yeah. So it was a lots happening on that day. Um, obviously, yeah. a very sad one for the storm. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. mate. Um... Rob asked you before about your first NRL try. Do you remember your first Warriors try? It's probably a bit hard to remember when you'd scored 52 previous tries in your career, but um, do you remember your first one for the Warriors? No. No, I don't. Um, okay. It might have round been. Round six. You know what? Was that against Penrith? It, it was, was, mate. Yeah, yeah, round six. Against oh, Penrith. okay. Yeah. Okay, well, there's yeah. a story for you then. That's another good story because um, – <laughs> Uh, I definitely remember it then because I've dislocated my shoulder as I scored and I was out for the rest of the season. So, uh, that's right. We played, yeah, we, we had two, two Sydney games, but we had a Canberra game and a Sydney game together. So we played, I think Canberra on the Monday night down in Canberra. So we stayed the week in Sydney and we, we got beat by 50 against Canberra. Yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't a great start to the, wasn't a great start to the week. Um, I remember we got absolutely flogged on, um, on, on Bondi Beach, we're staying at Bondi. It was the worst conditions, weather conditions. You couldn't even see like 10 metres in front of you. And uh, Mark, uh, Mark, Coach Graham, he just flogged us, uh, yeah, which we deserved after the after the effort against Canberra. Um, and then, yeah, we went up to, to Penrith, put on a better showing. But Jason Deeth, of all people, decided to kick the ball. I don't know why he kicked it, because he never he would never kick, but he kicked it. Uh, but he, and I chased it and scored. As I was putting the ball down, I dived to score as I was putting the ball down. Peter Jorgensen, my old Roosters teammate, who was yeah. playing fullback for Penrith, came across, landed on my outstretched arm. Oh. Yeah, dislocated it. Um, and as it turned out, I'd actually done ner- – I did nerve damage in the process. So I oh. uh, couldn't use my arm for like – I couldn't lift my arm up for like 
I don't know, maybe two months, maybe. Ooh. Um, yeah, yeah so, so I was out. I was out for the season. So that my first year, yeah, Warriors did just. It was a really tough year for the team as well. We struggled, and I missed yeah almost all that season. So after missing four months of the previous year at the Roosters with a discarded hip or discarded my shoulder, and missed most of the next year as well. So I was kind of yeah, it wasn't a good couple of years really. Well, that leads us into the the club went through a bit of a tumultuous period off the field as well. Uh, the uncertainty around 2000. We had Mark Graham on a few weeks ago uh, telling us his thoughts on the events at that time with a change of ownership and uh, all the talk about what players were going to stay and what players were going to go. Did you think at the time, what the fuck have I got myself in for here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... Um, when I, well, I must say, when, one of the reasons I went to the Warriors, apart from, you know, coming to beautiful New Zealand and, and, and opportunity and all that was the money was pretty good. So, and my manager at the time, uh, we, were, we ended up leaving my manager after this whole, this whole thing, because we disagreed on a few things. I remember him telling me, Oh mate, they got that much money. Uh, they got a, they got a seven year guarantee by the NRL. Um, you know, it's just, they're absolutely, um, you know, financially solid as a rock. So, I remember getting there when I got to Auckland. I think it was, I'd been there for maybe two weeks and there was starting to be murmurs about the club <laughs> club uh, being in financial trouble. I thought, <laughs> yes. oh, that's, not, that's not good. But anyway, it's not my problem. I'm sure it's just, yeah, so much just talk. Well, anyway, the season finished and I was actually, I came back home to Sydney um, for the off season. And I remember I was up the coast, I was up the coast somewhere and, and uh, I was reading the paper. And it said, um, oh, New Zealand Warriors players are, uh, are we the Auckland Warriors? Auckland Warriors, as I said, Auckland yep. Warriors players have, um, yeah, are not getting paid. They've stopped getting paid. And I thought, I just, that's how I knew I read in the paper. I thought, surely that's not right. Because there's no, like, you know, internet <laughs> banking in those days. So anyway, it was about two days later, I, maybe we were meant to get paid or something, or I've just checked to see if, yeah, sure enough. So ten months in the three year contract, yeah, no, stop getting paid. Like that's wow. it. It's done. Oh, wow. No more. So I was in Sydney. We got a obviously a house full of stuff and everything back in Auckland. So and then we found out, yeah, no contract. Um, you know, new owners. Um, so I was. It's pretty. Yeah, it was a difficult time. Um, I was actually staying at Freddie Fittler's house in. Um, which is right on the beach of Collaroy. So that, that was one good thing, but um, it was a difficult, I think he was over, I think he was at the World Cup or something. He was playing for Australia somewhere. So we were staying at his place. Um, yeah, it was too hard to get another club by that point because no one really had much money left. And yeah, so we went back, I remember going back to, going back to Auckland. I had no idea what we were gonna do, yeah. whether we are just gonna pack up and have to come back. Uh, met with Mick Watson, who was the new CEO. Yep. So Eric Watson was the owner. Um, Mick Watson, new CEO, and uh, I didn't really know. Yeah, I didn't really know what what to think. I was, I must say, I was a little bitter because I thought, you know, I had a I had a contract, perfectly good contract, and um, ten months in, it's gone. So now, all of a sudden, now I'm renegotiating without much uh, leverage at all. You know. Yeah, I like to go somewhere else. So, but you know, Mick was pretty good about it. He 
I got a, you know, I got a, I got a, I still got a good deal. It wasn't sort of, I lost a lot of money in that whole transaction, but it's still got a good deal. And I was happy to keep playing. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a whole new era. Everything changed. Became the New Zealand Warriors. Uh, started wearing black. Yep. Yeah. Um, I think we had, I think, I think the first day of preseason when Daniel Anderson took over, I think they had like seven players signed or something. Uh, so that was, yeah, I, I don't even know what, what time of the year I got there. I wasn't in, I wasn't, I hadn't been training or anything. I, I didn't, because I didn't really know what was going on. So, yeah, we're a bit of a patch up side. Um, yeah, as everyone will know, we, yeah, we, we just passed all expectations that year. Absolutely. Uh, played some yeah. really good footy. We, we had some really good young guys. Um, guys like Clinton Torpy and Motu Tony, and they were just so ambitious and they were given an opportunity and they were just so, so, happy to take it but they weren't gonna take a backward step from anyone yeah it was just yeah it was it was a fun year um it was much better than i thought it was going to be I, I didn't really know what to expect and I, I must say i was yeah I, I wouldn't say my motivation was super high that year after everything that happened but what it did do was uh, the last game of the year we played semi-final against Parramatta. Parramatta yeah I think it was I think it was one v eight. I think but they were incredible that team, the Parramatta team that year. Yeah, they only and, lost um, four games of the year. Yeah, and um, I think that was that was eighteen six, uh, and I, I I made a break. Well, I probably didn't make a break. Someone must have given me a ball in in space. So anyway, got heading downfield. I thought it was eighteen six. We scored now. It's all you know. We're back in it. Anyway, uh, I looked to my left and David Miles. I think he was. In a good position, I had someone else on the inside. I went the I went the long right to left pass, and uh, Jamie Lyon bloody intercepted it intercepted. and ran the length of the field and scored. Yeah, and that was. Yeah. I remember walking back. I was walking back all the way, like ninety meters back, and I was so angry. I was just that was that pissed me off so bad. All these Parramatta fans are going mad, and that was like the that was to me that 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 fueled me for the the next year. I do, yeah. Um, I've, I almost got my love of football back yeah. right there and then in, in a weird way. And I, and I knew it, you know, so I remember I had a meeting with Daniel after the season and he said, um, he pretty much said, mate, your, your spot's pretty much in jeopardy. You know, I've got these young blokes, Matthew Tony and Brent Webb had come to club. And, and that was fair enough, to be honest. I, I didn't think I played that well that year. Uh, played okay, but, you know, and I was like, no way. Yeah. Thought, righto. So I went, I went off and trained really hard that, that preseason. Um, I'd had a few injuries the previous years and yeah, just returned in. He's better. I was just better shape. Um, yeah. And I knew I was, I knew I was under pressure. So I ended up having a, yeah, really, really fun year. We had a great year, made the grand final one. I, I was actually happy with the way I played. Uh, yeah, it was really fun times. Such great memories from that season. Yeah. In so many ways. Absolutely. We're going to wind you back, though. Yeah, yeah. Just just back on that 2001 <laughs> season. I mean, we did we did struggle a little bit with consistency. I mean, we stayed unknown team, as you said, but um, but we started to get wins here and there. And and one of the features of that two massive comebacks, um, particularly against the Bulldogs, that one that one in Wellington, um, against the sea, uh, the Northern Eagles and, and Penrith. We had a massive comeback against Penrith. 
and we were down like 30 points to 12 or something like that at the end of the season. Was there a confidence within the squad that like you guys could come back from any any deficit? Yeah, I reckon uh, comebacks, uh, any team that's all of a sudden can, uh, has the power of a comeback, it, it's just a confidence thing. Like I think if you've done it once or twice, it just gives you so much more belief. Uh, and, and we were a side that already, you know, there wasn't a lot of expectation in us any 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 game really even though we won you know we won some games and we were i think we we're a bit of a, like we're, we're doing a bit of win loss win loss type thing so we were always in and around the middle of the table um but i still think teams didn't really uh respect us that much and so sometimes if you if you you know if you're behind a bit you're obviously not playing so well and the other team's going okay and and, and we played the sort of footy where we had some guys in our team that were you're never afraid to push the envelope, especially when you're behind by a bit. Yeah. And then once you've done it once or twice, it just becomes like a thing. And, uh, um, yeah, like the opposition know it and you know it. And, um, yeah, it just, yeah, like it just, let's just say it just became, and sometimes it just can just do that. Some clubs, um, I remember Canterbury for many years were really good at that. Um, we're never beaten and that kind of thing. So I, sh- I think it showed what it did show was that our, our guys were yeah, resilient and they weren't, you know, weren't going to back, lay down and we're always in, in, in for, up for the fight, you know. So well, that certainly showed and that led into 2002 where we became much more consistent. Um, yeah. Still have the ability to, 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 to play flashy and score some great tries and and you know, the offloads and all that kind of thing, but we'll also became better at, yeah, being able to play proper grindy footy. And um, I know, you know, Kevin Campion was certainly a big reason for that. Uh, yep. We had a good mix of senior guys and guys who'd been there. So I suppose, you know, myself had played a lot of semis and, and knew, you know, knew what looked like consistency and winning looked like. And, and then we had the guys like, you know, the guys I mentioned before and Ali Lauatiti and, and those kind of guys, Stacey had an incredible season, 2002. He was phenomenal. Um, yeah. Actually, Stace was one of those guys that I played, was lucky enough to play with Brad Fittler and Greg Florimo, some guys like that, uh, Cliffy Lyons. But Stacey was one of those guys where you knew during the week that if you were going to win or not, because based on what he would look like, <laughs> he was um, he was always pretty consistent, Stace. But he, sometimes there were some weeks where it was, it was just just more focused. Yep. more on and yep. i was like how good is this we're going to win this week for sure yeah. i didn't tell stace that but i knew no. <laughs> yeah mate one of the most memorable games from that 2001 um season was a round six 13 12 victory at home over the brisbane broncos it was the first time the club had ever beaten the broncos um what do you remember about that game because that was something that's pretty significant in warriors uh, history did I, I don't know if you guys realized that at the time when you were playing yeah i was actually i i, I was in i was injured that game so i watched that one from the stands um it was a electric atmosphere yeah um the, yeah we definitely knew because the broncos were like the they were the yardstick for for us um you know the the opening night 1995 everyone you yep. know used to talk about um Broncos were always the, the biggest team, you know, it was just, they're like, they're like the Melbourne Storm probably are looked upon now, uh, you know, always up there, always 
you know, fighting for championships, won plenty of competitions. So that was sort of like, okay, if we can go right against these guys, you know, you know, we're, we're doing all right. Um, so that was a huge night. Yeah. Huge victory. And everyone really knew it was, yeah, it was definitely, um, there's a, there's a photo actually from the sheds that night that, that was, a um, you know, the team sort of all together. And that was, um, I know the Matt Butcher used to love that photo. And he yeah. loves his photos. And that one was a, a photo that, yeah, everyone looked back on fondly. It was, it was the night we sort of, yeah, I don't know, maybe, you know, that was a big turning point in the club's history where you, we, can, we can get over the, the champs. Um, yeah, that was a, it was a good experience and I think it helped, helped confidence wise. Yeah. For, you know, for the future. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And the, the back end of that 2001 season, we, we do go on a bit of a winning run and um, we, we, we come against the Melbourne storm in the second last round and we are lucky to survive a last minute draw, um, which is enough to secure us a spot in the finals. Um, however, we have the final round game against the Cowboys at home. Um, and if we won that game, we would have finished sixth instead of eighth. But unfortunately, we lose to the Cowboys that day and we uh, finished in the eighth spot coming up against a red-hot Parramatta, as you touched on before. Um, do you put that down to perhaps the inexperience of the squad at the time, then, knowing that a final spot had already been secured before playing that final game? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there was no doubt about it. That was a – to just to make the finals was a, yeah, a huge feather in the cap. First time in the club's history. Everyone expected us to come last at the start of the year. You know, we didn't even have a team until I didn't even know. Like, probably didn't have a full team until say Christmas the year before. So preparation was hindered for sure. Um, yeah, it was a shame because the Cowboys game was a really big crowd, uh, and they weren't doing much. The Cowboys, but it was just one thing I did. One thing it did sort of. Was it was the first my first time that I saw how expectation and performance, you know, if, if anything, was it was a bit of an issue for for the club uh, for a while actually, even certainly through my time there. Um, I don't I don't even know why. It was just no. for some reason, every time there was a game that the crowd, you know, it was almost like we got extra people coming to the ground because we were doing well, and it was just like I don't know, we just. It just seemed to be more of a distraction than a bit of pressure, and mm. that was one of probably probably one of those ones as well. But I think definitely, yeah, the, just making the finals was was probably uh, the end of our season, really. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mate. The um the O2 season it's still the best season in the club's history with nine wins and eight lost record. Um, were there indications? You spoke about a, a good mix of um, youth. Uh, coming through and, and so forth. Were, were there indications during that preseason that the finally the club had finally found that groove of a good mix of youth and a good mix of experience in the squad? Yeah, from my memory, yeah, I, I definitely felt we were more confident going into that that season, um, having coming off the back of the, the 01, 01 year. Um, some of those young guys were yeah, a, year, a year in. Um, I just felt like the the, the balance was really good. Some of our really key players had huge years. Ali Lauteti was yeah. had a great year. Stacey, as I mentioned before. Yep. Um, so when you got guys like that, we also had PJ Marsh came um, yep. came on board that year. He was instrumental in success for our team. Yep. So we had a, a good 
yeah, a really good uh, balance of athleticism, uh, size, um, yeah, yeah, senior guys, um, yeah, young guys, Aussies, Kiwis, you name it. Like it was just a good balance, and we we got a couple of good wins I think early in the year that gave us gave us the confidence and yeah. now Smart became a real a real home. Uh, we've got some big wins against big teams uh, that year. I think we beat we beat the the Bulldogs. I think that that was a huge winning run. I think we brought that to an end. I, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. I yes. think we beat the yeah yep. we beat the Broncos yep. a week. I think the week after uh, mm. or, or in and around that at home they give another huge game. Uh, beat them like I don't know eight and four or something like that. It was a, just a, it was a really tough four. game. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, I remember that game really clearly. Um, for some reason, it was just like when we beat the Broncos after we beat Canterbury. It was like I think we're the real deal here. You know. Yeah. I think that's probably my memory from that. Uh, yeah, the only fun thing about that year is I, I was fortunate enough to be captain for a few games. Stacey broke his arm. I don't know when that was, maybe mid-season mid or something. Uh, that was the first time. I'd only been captain a couple of times in my whole career. Uh, and I got a, I think I captained the team like maybe four weeks in a row or something. And I really loved it. I loved doing that. I just, I, hadn't, I don't know why I didn't really hadn't really thought about it that much before, but I felt this sense of responsibility. And I think that probably what Ended up putting me in the coaching, I think. Uh, just what the feeling I got from that little... And we won some games. We won a game against Newcastle on the road. And, um, like with Stace out, it was always going to be difficult, that little period. So we, yeah. we won some games. We beat Melbourne, I think, in Melbourne as well. So yeah. like maybe... We, I just won some games that were really important in our season. So, yeah, I remember that really uh, vividly. Good times. Yeah, just prior to that, and it might have been during that period as well, round seven to round 14, the club had an eight-game unbeaten streak, which is still a club record. Um, what? So I guess what do you remember about that purple patch of form? It had it had us hot on the heels of the Bulldogs that were sort of killing it um, that year. As you said, Stacey was out, and the young Lenzo Hire um, came in to, to play in the halves that year, which was a pivotal moment. Yeah, uh, I think get back to that Newcastle game. I think Lance got man of the match that day, that mm-hmm. night, uh, the Friday night game or something. So that was like a that was a big game. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, my biggest memory is just again the Mad Butcher photo because he used to always, <laughs> he always get photos and he'd put them in a frame or, or turn them into a poster and give them to all the boys. I've still got one that one actually in the bar at home. Um, uh, yeah, I. I Eight wins in a row, so big photo there. So I don't know. I just think we, as I said, one of the biggest things we started winning away from home. Um, mm-hmm. Now it's smart to become a real fortress for us. Uh, teams definitely found it hard to come over and play us there, but we were able to chalk up some wins away from home at some difficult venues, and especially when Stacey was out, that was like, yeah, that that's Stacey was playing so well. And obviously, as your halfback and a key man and all that, captain. That's yeah. That was a um, that was a, that was a, the most special part. I thought to be able to win those games away from home without him, uh, and in and in succession. So that consistency thing, which everyone always had a knock on, yeah. yep. on us. Um, and I think we probably, I don't know if we believed it, but I think just doing that 
gave us great confidence to feel like we were, the, yeah, we were in for a shot with a shot. You you touched on the Bulldogs uh, just before, and they were on they were they were actually on a fifteen game winning streak when we came up against them in round twenty two at Mount Smart, uh, game we won twenty two fourteen that really put the entire competition on notice. As a coach of a side that's gone on the, the past two seasons, you've gone like 12 games in a row this season, 17 games in a row or 20 games in a row last season. Um, how significant is that win uh, in the big scheme of things, knocking off a team that has such momentum following them uh, and then, you know, we come along and, and we knock them off and, uh, you know, uh, they were the, the uh, benchmark of that year, weren't they? Yeah, that was a, a huge win. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess I, I, I'm not sure about because they'd won so many games in a row. I think sometimes you look at that, or I certainly do, and, and you think, oh, well, the more games you win, the closer the closer out of your loss, I suppose. So yeah. <laughs> you sort of hope you sort of hope that oh, well, maybe this is their night where they're maybe not at their best, or they just that you know, because when you get on those winning runs. There is subconsciously you start thinking, well, is this the night or, you know, so, um, but we, we liked the matchup with the Bulldogs uh, that season. I just thought we, we, we thought we'd go, we never really, for some reason, it was just a good matchup. We always, we always respected them, of course, but we, yeah. I think deep down we all, you know, we thought maybe we were a better chance to beat them than some of the other big teams. Um, I know that I know Stacey. I remember Stacey saying, thinking that, yeah, if we get the dogs in the semis, we'll beat them. So, um, I think it was, you know, that it was, it was the following year, 2003, when Francis Melly scored five tries, I think, against the dogs. Correct. I think there was just something about, about in the semi, too, that something about, yeah, we had confidence against the Bulldogs. Right? Yeah. I'm not sure why. Well, it might be, yeah, let's say maybe just the matchup and players they had and the players we had or something yeah. like that. Yeah. History, because yeah, history will show that the Bulldogs lost it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, history shows Jokes. that the Bulldogs, yeah, yeah, of course. Sorry, Bryce. <laughs> uh, yeah, history will show yeah. that the Bulldogs lost Warriors their competition legend. points. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the salary cap breach, obviously pivotal in that 2002 season. Um, and a round 26 home victory over the Tigers uh, was enough to get us a minor premiership that year. Tell us what it was like for the club to receive the JJ Gilton Shield in front of the Mount Smart Faithful. Yeah, it was awesome. A little story about that uh, last game, the Tigers. Uh, so we were expecting to come. I think we were in the top four, definitely in the top four. Yep. Um, but we didn't think, I, I don't know who was playing who, but there was um, unlikely that we were going to end up um, first anyway. Uh, I think the Dragons might have lost and someone else, the Knights are linked to, they lost as well. Was, but, yeah, I think it was Newcastle. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, there's, there's, I think there's a couple of upsets. So anyway, Daniel uh, rested a bunch of guys in that game, maybe like seven or eight. Um, I actually played that game. Uh I like to think I was coming back from injury, so I needed to run rather than <laughs> I wasn't good enough to get rested. <laughs> Maybe so it could have been one or the other. Anyway, we um, I, I just wonder if, if he if he if he really thought we had a chance to win the to get the, the minor premiership, we were, you know, whether he would have rested all those guys. But uh, as it turned out, we um, yeah, won that game, and uh, 
everything fell our way after that yeah. across the weekend and, and we were minor premiers. Um, yeah, we came back and played the first semi against Canberra. Um, yep. Who'd also had got a bit of luck, I suppose, with, with Canterbury going down. So their ninth became eighth. And they were in the finals. We had a good, good, solid, yeah, strong win. Um, that was a really good memory. So, you know, the last time we were at Mount Smart, last time I played there. Uh, got some good photos with the kids and Campo and his boys. Um, yeah, that was a, a special day. And uh, to get a trophy uh, was a, yeah, first one in the yeah, club's history. That was, yeah, very proud moment. Yeah, I was, I was just going to ask you what it was like playing that, that first ever finals game at Mount Smart. Like for you personally, obviously it was a, a big moment. As you said, it's your last game that you ever played at Mount Smart. But the, just the whole... The whole atmosphere, the crowd atmosphere. How was it that? Uh, how was that that day? Being the first semi ever yeah. played there. Yeah, it was huge. And I mentioned before about the the expectation thing, and so there's a little bit of that, um, that sort of thinking leading up to it. Which um, is, you know, I hope we, you know, because we really should win. But we're we're much better than Canberra uh, at home. Um, with so much to play for. You know, we we really should have won. But as it turned out, we. We played really well. We started well, scored a couple of tries early, and we're just on top and had the game pretty much yeah, sewn up pretty early. Um, I think they scored a couple of late tries. I remember missing a tackle that I was filthy about, actually. Uh, so, uh, but the, all the celebrations afterwards made up for that. So, yep. yeah, just a good, good feeling, you know, like a, uh, a game we're supposed to win, um, won it well, did exactly what we should have done. Um, so, you know, we we're able to play, you know, with a bit of expectation and pressure, and and um, yeah, send the the crowd home happy. So that was good. Yeah. yeah. The prelim final against the Sharks is one of the you know, at the time the biggest game in Warriors history, and one of the most still one of the most memorable victories in the club's history. Uh, we've had uh, big Tooks, uh, Justin Murphy, Clinton Torpy. PJ Marsh and Campo all on discussing that game. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was a pretty, um, it was a pretty, pretty tight game. Um, yeah, I think we, yeah, like, uh, I think I, I can't really remember what what Cronulla were like throughout that year, but they had some, they had some really good players. Uh, Brett Kamali was, um, yeah, really good, good halfback. I was playing fullback, so I was like constantly uh, had to be on. You know, on, on point around where he was going to kick because he's had a really good kicking game. Guys like David Peachy was sort of at their peak. Yeah. Um, but we, I don't know, we, we just uh, sort of felt throughout that game like we were always uh, maybe had our nose in front. Or we just kind of, uh, I know it was 10 all midway through the second half, and uh, Stace put that kick through for Johnny Carlo to score. Yeah. yeah. Um, that, was a, that was a, yeah, that was a huge. Huge moment, and it was just look. It was just a, it was just a really tight battle, tough game. Um, I think I remember. I remember. <laughs> I had a penalty goal about thirty minutes out straight in front uh, early in the game, and I missed it. And um, and I remember thinking, as I missed it, I was, you know would, wouldn't normally miss that. Would expect to miss it, but I didn't care at the time. It just was like, oh well, it's all right. So I knew that I was actually that was a good that was a good sign for me because I knew that if, if if I was worrying about that, then I wasn't basically in the moment. And, 
Yeah. So I knew that that was a good sign. And we scored, I think maybe Francis scored just after that and I kicked it from the sideline. So I was like, I just knew that I was, I felt confident, not just for the team and everything, but I felt confident myself that day. So that's always a good feeling in a big game. Yep. Um, yeah, and as it turned out, you know, we, um, I don't know, I don't think people, many people expected us to win or not like people that, you know, pass as experts, I'm not sure, but uh, that's the beauty sometimes of being in, being in Auckland and being in New Zealand. You didn't really, you didn't hear too much about what the media was saying or whatever. You'd sort of hear your own, you know, the, the New Zealand media. Um, yeah. But you, yeah, because it wasn't, you know, you didn't, it was not the internet and you just didn't know, so. That was probably a good thing, uh, probably in those days. You got less sort of attention and you'd sort of fly in, fly out, and no one would worry about you too much. And, yeah. But um, and, then, and then after that, I remember the big thing was it was Eric Eric Watson, the owner, was uh, anyone out of New Zealand passport who's going to pay for tickets to the grand final. <laughs> so that was, uh, yeah, just to, just to fly home knowing you're a grand final. Um, yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, was he a, did it for he did it for really that good too. Yeah, you're right. Actually, yeah, I remember now. I remember that. Yeah, so I don't know. Just again, that was another one of those um, expectation big game in Sydney yeah. against the Sydney team um, to be able to play well and come on top in a tough game, tight tight contest was yeah. Just I guess proof that we were we were the real deal at a and you know felt like we had a real good shot the next week against the Roosters. Yeah, tell us, what was it like uh, when the squad returned home to New Zealand having qualified for the club's first grand final? Was it hard to deal with the the hype? Was there much hype? Because uh, we're Aussie-based, so we weren't there. Um, yeah, was there much hype leading up to that game back in, in New Zealand? Yeah, we get the get a bit of reception at the airport when you get home, which was really, really cool. You know, after the, the game and uh, coming home and, three-hour flight and then just to have all those people down there that was really that was really nice so that was a real it was a real it was a real um i don't know flow of uh excitement around that's that was not normal to what we were yep. used to so that was really cool we had a i think a bit of a fan day before we left to go to sydney one thing about the grand final like when you when you, you know, the, see a new zealand based team playing in the grand final you you know we have to go over on the wednesday i think maybe or yeah, you know, a, a lot earlier than we would normally would. Um, so your preparation is completely different to how we would normally do it. Uh, not that you're arguing, not you complaining. Yeah. It's just so <laughs> it's exciting and that, and go to the grand final breakfast and whatnot. Um, so you sort of have a bit of a send off with the fans, and which was really, really nice. And yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was amazing times, amazing feeling. Um, yeah. You know, when you get to that day, the grand final, there's only two teams left, and you sort of look back at some of the teams that, that didn't make it, and just go, "Wow, you know, it's good to be still, still uh, swinging yeah. on the last on the last weekend, and go over to Sydney and go through all that stuff." And first Warriors team to ever do it, yep. Uh, also, was a yeah, a great feeling. The um the end result aside, because we all know, you know, there was a thirty to eight win by the Roosters, but. The grand final itself was a pretty close contest for those first 60 minutes. Um, and Stacey's try uh, is con considered to be one of, if not the best solo tries ever in a, in a grand final. How do you remember those first 60 minutes? Because I think we were up 8-6 for uh, up until that point. Yeah. The first half was 
yeah, frenetic. It was fast, and I don't remember that much about it. I remember uh, well, a couple of things I do remember. They were Francis got tackled by, uh, I think Luke Phillips made this unbelievable yeah. try saver. Um, which I mean, you know, these little little things that everything things could have been different. You know, yeah. um, you know, we were behind. I kicked an early penalty goal. We were behind six two. I think Haggerty scored. Mm. Um, went in at the break, six two down, which is like you know that's fine. You know, but but the first half was a bit of a yeah. Like I think both teams were making a few mistakes. I think both teams were a bit nervous. It was just so fast. I remember that. Like it was fastest game I played in for sure. Yep. Uh, yeah, they came out and Stay scored that try. It was just an unbelievable try. Uh, I remember kicking the goal and looking up at the scoreboard, and it was, I think it was like 30 odd minutes to go, 30, around about then, 8 6. And I'm thinking, wow, I thought this was. And I tell this story to my players now, actually, what not to do. Um, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I remember thinking, Eight six, and I'm thinking, wow! All the grand finals I've watched, you know, as a kid growing up, they're all pretty tight. Not many tries scored, you know. We we might just win this. <laughs> well, anyway, no one told no one told Villa who went and headbutted Freddie, and then the game changed. <laughs> Next thing I remember was we were standing we were standing behind the goal line most of the time for the rest of the game. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> Funny you should mention Villa the Gorilla because that's going to be my next question because we had Big Tooks on earlier uh, last year, sorry, and he told us that it was actually Warangi Corpu's elbow that opened up Freddie Fitler's head in the grand final and not Villa's tackle, which we thought for the past 19 years or so. I mean, obviously you have a different recollection of that. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I've only seen what I've seen, but um, I don't know, whatever. Probably doesn't matter, but I think Freddie thought it was him, so that was probably enough. But he, whether he thought he got elbowed yeah. or head butted or whatever it was, yeah. I thought and, yeah. Villa just thought he was in the NFL. It was just that was a classic <laughs> NFL tackle. Um, but I remember that. I, I definitely remember the forty twenty. Freddie kicked a forty twenty. It went between yeah. Murph. I don't know what Murph said about it, but uh, I I look back and think I was probably out of position. But then again. He kicked it that well. It was flat and hard and long, and I, I don't know whether we would have stopped it anyway. So, yeah. But that they scored on that set, and I think I kicked out in the full after that on the kickoff. There's another story. I I didn't think I had the legs to kick it that far. <laughs> I honestly didn't. I I in my whole career, I I would put it on the, the a higher tee than I'd normally kick off, and would just kick it as hard as I could, uh, you know, down and sort of trying in between like the sideline and the post somewhere like that and i've i've kicked it and it's at first they went oh it's a dropout it landed inside and i thought yeah for sure that would that'd be right i can't kick it that far and then uh, they changed their mind and it, it looked on the big screen it was like no the ball went it landed over the dead ball line and a weird part of me thought wow that was pretty cool <laughs> <laughs> then I was like, no, you idiot. Like, it just, and they scored again. They scored the next set, I think. And it was just like, oh, no, the game's gone. Yeah, it just got away from us. Yeah. So I finished that game and I felt like a couple of things. Like, I had a lot of mates in that Roosters team and they hadn't won. That was their first premiership for um, uh, 25 years. I don't know, ages, yeah. 20 years, over 20 years. So 
I kind of felt good for them and a lot of people I support staff and that, the people that are around, yeah. the, around the club and do so much. And I also felt that I actually personally felt, I just, you know what, I just, yeah, we weren't good enough. I didn't think, I wouldn't look back and think that we were happy to be there or anything like that. I didn't feel anything like that. I felt like our preparation was pretty good apart from obviously changing so much and coming to Sydney early and mm. going through all that stuff, which I mean, probably hasn't, you know, when you're a player, I wasn't probably, I don't look at that type of stuff as like I do now as a coach, but yeah, uh, we, I think everything matters, but I don't know. I just felt like in the end, we, yeah, we weren't good enough on the night and, and Freddie was on a bit of a mission by the end of the game and yeah, he's one of the all-time greats and I just think he, yeah, he, he just got his team home, yeah. Yeah. Mate, there's a lot of stories um, that are told regarding the, that 0-2 grand final. Uh, one in particular involves Campo and a smashed tape recorder. Now, which he confirmed when we had him on uh, for a chat a little while ago. Uh, do you remember that incident? <laughs> Yeah, I, I sort of do, and I sort of don't. I, I I remember bits of it. I remember thinking, so I don't know what Campo said. I can I can imagine what he might have said. So we were we we're sort of standing around, and um, I can't remember. I can't remember what Daniel said, whether he said anything or he didn't. I, I can't really remember. Um, but it was you know like you come in, it's a grand final. Your heart your heart's racing, and and you're sort of talking amongst yourselves a bit, trying to you know. This is what we need to do. This is what happened. And then, um, but I do remember, um, I think Daniel's, he basically mentioned, he motioned to Paul Donkin, who was yeah, <laughs> good fellow Donk, a legend. Uh, uh, yeah. Hit it or, you know, hit it. And, he, and then he walked off and he's pressed the, pressed the, the old stereo in those days. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's a mock, it's a mock commentary uh, of us scoring a try to win the grand final. Against the Broncos, and, uh, wasn't it? Yeah, it's the Broncos, wasn't it? Yeah, it was against the Broncos. They had lost had lost the Roosters in the previous weekend. Yeah. So maybe they thought the Broncos were gonna yeah. win. Uh, it was it was our, the great Alan Mack who was his um, yeah. uh, was doing the commentary. And anyway, this was going on for a bit and I remember thinking to myself, Wow, I've played my whole career to play in a grand final. I didn't really think I didn't know this sort of stuff happened. <laughs> At half time. I think Campos ended up. Campos like, turn that shit off. That shit off. <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. Yeah, <laughs> and he, he said. Yeah, shut up, get in here. And, like, you know, and then I, I remember looking at John Carlo actually, and he, he just raised his eyebrows. At, you know, just around, oh, wow. What about that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Funny from a coaching perspective. Like now, you know, I've been coaching for so long and. I just wonder, like, I wonder what I've never spoken to Daniel about that. I wonder what, yeah, where that idea came from. Like, was he, was he, yeah, we'll do it. No, we won't. You know, he must have been thinking that. Like, well, should I just wait for the game, see how we're going? Do I, you know, if I feel like, you know, what do they need? And yeah. Anyway, I don't think, I'm sure Camper mentioned, I don't, he didn't agree. No, <laughs> no, no, it wasn't a huge fan of it. No. <laughs> 60 minutes in and, yeah. And up eight six, they're probably all patting themselves on the back, going, "That was yeah. a great idea." Oh, yeah, yeah. Was that master stroke? <laughs> well, it, it must have fired Stacey up because he went out and scored one of the greatest. Yeah, yeah that's right. True, yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, yeah. After the mayhem of that, yeah. <laughs> um, you you retire after the two thousand and two grand final. 
Um, how do you look back on your playing career? Because you had 186 games, 64 tries, by 53 goals from 721 attempts, uh, 1,363 points and 19 finals appearances in all but two, two seasons of your career. Uh, very impressive stats. And you must look back on that. Uh, quite proud of what you've achieved. Yeah, yeah, I am. I'm, I'm definitely, uh, I'm proud of what I achieved. I, like I said earlier, I didn't really, you know, I didn't have any, uh, you know, I wasn't the kind of guy that went through the juniors or school or, you know, with always, you know, with a, with, with a, on the road to being an NRL star. I still remember, you know, I was mucking around with my brothers one day. Um, so that would have been like early eighties, I suppose. And I remember we were talking, we said, oh, yeah, um, imagine playing first grade, first grade footy. And we, we looked at each other and went, oh, man, they you just wouldn't do that. Those guys are animals, you know. <laughs> mad, it's probably like, might have been late 70s, actually. And um, and to think now, to think back to that, I, I don't even know why I remember that. But to, I, I often think about that thing. I, I could never have imagined playing the career I did Uh even when I was 18, I, it was the furthest thing from my mind. I was going to university. I wasn't even playing footy on the weekends at that point. Like, so to just the way it all went down and the, and the moves I made and the, the people I met and uh, it actually ended up, you know, leading into coaching because the Roosters got me started to coach. And, like, and I'm still, I'm still avoiding having a real job after all these years, you know. So yeah. it's, um, yeah, I, I I'm yeah, stoked how it all went. I mean, I do feel like I probably could have done. I feel like I wasn't ambitious enough as a player. I just don't think I was probably. I, I think I set my sights probably lower than what I maybe could have. Um, I tell this story to players now as well. It's probably just happy to. Uh, like I didn't see myself as anything great. And I probably wasn't to be honest, but I, I feel like I could have maybe, yeah set myself sights higher because I did play in good teams and played with plenty of semis and stuff. And, um, yeah, that's all. That's probably, I don't say it only was a regret because it's actually, actually taught me a lot that I can use in, yeah. you know, when I'm coaching. That's yeah. the beauty of playing at, at that level and experiencing so many things and working under different coaches and just all these experiences help you. Uh, it was certainly helped me to be able to, I'm, I'm just lucky to be able to still be involved in the game and work in the game and, and still learn to this day about so many things that, that helped me uh, in the next game. Mate, I'm going to go back to the Campo theme again, and I think you know what's coming. I, I actually sent you a, a, a video of the, of, an email of the video when we had Campo on. He told us a funny story about the lunatic that is Nat Wood and a scream mask. <laughs> um, two questions. What do you remember about that incident? And has Nathan recovered? Or did he develop a phobia of, of the dark? Or was what um, made him become the cyborg-like player that he is now with such steely resolve? <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so, yeah, I had a two-story house. Um, I actually had some, I think uh, my in-laws were over from Sydney. And we were just all, all together. Uh, I was actually in the kitchen, probably washing up, doing the right thing. Anyway, uh, my my... My sort of clock radio thing, my alarm next to my bed went off. I'm thinking it was probably like, I don't know, like 8, 30, 9 o'clock at night or something. 
I thought, oh, that's weird. Maybe it's, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe I set it for a diff- like the wrong time or whatever. So I walk in. I walk into the bedroom, and it's pitch black. And, and next thing you know, that yeah, that bloody screen mask <laughs> comes up over the bed, and, and he's making this noise. He does. He used to do this noise that I actually did know. I'd heard that before. It's like <laughs> that's exactly what Campo said. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm Just like. I was I like oh, shit myself probably yeah and like we I've had a golf club or something I would have just pulled like whacked him in the head or, uh, but I kind of as I'm hearing that as I'm processing the noise that noise I'm thinking that, that was like oh, that's Nat like you know that's Natty Wood anyway <laughs> I must have probably I don't know what happened but I shit myself then he takes the mask off and is laughing his head off and anyway then I turn around and and my young fellow Nathan it was like probably. He might have been like three or four or something. I don't know what he was. He's like, yeah. I saw him behind me and he just took off. He just took <laughs> off. <laughs> anyway, he slept. He dead set. He slept with us for the next two weeks, I reckon. He would go into his bedroom. Yeah. So I don't know whether he's still, he's, he's not that brave uh, with lots of things. He's pretty brave in a footy field, but he's not that yeah. brave with other stuff. So maybe, maybe he's never recovered from that. Uh, I, I think, I think, I'm pretty sure Natty, uh, Actually, the reason we call Nathan Nat is actually, yeah, from Nat Wood. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think Nat Natty Wood claims him probably to this day. So yeah, interesting. I, I follow him on yeah. social media. He's still he's still playing practical jokes on people. He's never grown up that way. Yeah, yeah. I think his uh his his partner at the time, Jamie, was in Sydney and he was bored, so yeah. he decided uh yeah just just go around everyone's house and break in and just terrorize people yeah oh why not what else is there to do <laughs> yeah yeah, every yeah. Time, well, every time absolutely, that's classic absolute goal only only nat could climb up uh could climb uh, up yeah. the sec- second story because he was such a freak he was like a he's still such so um strong and that now but he's like a i don't even know i still don't know how he climbed up there but that's yeah I just remember the next day going down there going, well, how the hell did he get up on that balcony? And he reckons he was just basically climbing up the, the downpipe or something. Oh. <laughs> uh, we're hoping to get him on next year, yeah. so that'll be a very interesting chat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think um, you remember anything. Back to, back to your career. and the, um, You were initially going to take up an offer from the Huddersfield Giants. Uh, but you opted to return to Sydney and coach the Roosters lower grades. What made you change your mind there? Yeah, so I I did a deal with Huddersfield uh, in, my, in that 2002 season. Um, yeah, I was like looking forward to going with the kids. As, as I said, I had two kids there, uh, going over and playing some footy, doing some traveling and that. So I guess to be honest, I was like, when I left the NRL, I was sort of, as much as I'm sure when I got there, I would have been, you know, I would have liked playing and professional and all that sort of stuff. But it was, I was probably more thinking of the lifestyle than playing, you know, I was sort of winding the career down and whatnot. Yeah. Anyway, we'd left Auckland, we were waiting in Sydney before we went over to England. And uh, I went back to my same in-laws place and uh, they said, oh, Ricky Stewart tried to call you. I said, oh, yeah, right. Um, I had no idea what that was about. But anyway, the, the CEO um, ended up ringing me and, yeah, offered me the job, offered me a full-time coaching job, coaching reserve grade. 
And remember, they just won the comp, beat us. That was 2002. Uh, and I was, yeah, the, the, the coach was there, but be, be full-time working with Ricky. Yep. And the first grade team was just like, wow. Like, uh, I mean, financially, I gave up a bit of money to do it, but I was just so, like, one, I was just so humbled that someone could think that I, would, that I could do that because it wasn't something that I was thinking about. I hadn't thought about coaching really much other than, you know, some people saying to me, oh, would you ever think about doing it? That was it, really. I'd done the courses. I hadn't planned to do it. So for them to, to sort of show that, I guess, faith in me and see that in me, um, it's such a great club. And, you know, I'd been there for four years, knew everybody. I was just like, I just jumped at it. I was just like, that's awesome. So, yeah, it's a difficult uh, couple of phone calls out to make to Huddersfield. But in the end, I just, yeah hung the boots up and yeah got into coaching and you spent still doing three, it. <laughs> yeah you, you spent three seasons at the roosters learning the you know intricacies of coaching and and you get appointed head coach of the warriors in 20 uh, 2006 returning to the club in the coaching capacity had the place changed much since you'd left yeah so i actually had i had two years at the warriors and i was at the roosters and then i got I went back to the Warriors as an assistant before the year before I got, I was the head coach. That's so, um, yeah, I came, Mick, uh, Mick Watson got me back, me and Campo actually. Um, we went back as assistants to Tony Camp. Uh, right. Had it changed? Uh, well, they had a really bad, the club had a bad year in 04. So mm, we went yes. grand final 02, uh, prelim 03. Yeah. And then 04, it was just, uh, it was a bit of a train wreck, I think. Um, uh, that's when Stace left and Ali left, and yeah, um, the, yeah. So when I came back, it was it was a yeah. That was one of the reasons they they wanted me and Campo to come back to try and sort of help rebuild the place a bit. Um, yeah, so it's a bit different. We were training. Um, we weren't training at Mount Smart. We did the preseason at uh, Waitakere out west. Uh, yeah. Uh, but it was a, yeah, we had some good moments in that season, but in the end, it was disappointing. Didn't make the semis, and uh, yeah, I was yeah appointed as head coach. Which um, yeah, looking back, I think after <laughs> three years as a coach, to become a head coach was very early. Yeah, uh, which I was happy to do. By the way, um, uh, John Hart had a big. Uh, saying that he, he was he was uh, i think director of football or something i'm not sure he's his title executive director um the, the great old former all back coach um worked with us that year in 05 and saw something in me i think um so i got the gig in 06 where we we completely rebuilt the club if we hadn't in 05 then it it completely changed in 06 where we yeah knew everyone um uh, except the owner pretty much, but it was new CEO, new coach, new this, new that, everyone. Um, a lot of new players, heaps of new players. Uh, yeah, a lot of the old faces, um, yeah, had moved on. And, and that was a, yeah, uh, a great uh, opportunity for me. And uh, yeah, we also got docked four points uh, for being over the salary Correct. cap in 05. So yeah. we started the, like, yes. started off started my four. coaching. <laughs> Tough initiation, yeah, yeah. Sport, so. yep. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, in a way, though, it was I, I sort of thought, well, you know, I mean, if you're going to start, like, I was never going to, you're never going to walk into a, or very rarely you walk into a first job, especially that early, like, the, the, the experience or lack of that I had, I was never going to get a big club or, you know, so it was just, it was just one of those things. It was just, it was just moment in time that just lined up and I thought I'll give it a shot, you know? So, uh, yeah, yeah that was, questions. um, that was really cool. Yeah. Two questions. Do you remember your first grade coaching debut game? And do you remember your first coaching victory? Yes. Remember them both really well. First yep. game against, against the storm. At, yep. Uh, at Mount Smart. Yep. Uh, we've done a little bit of, because it's the first game, you, you only get uh, a limited amount of, um, you know, video on your opponents just through the trials. Um, but they selected the, a tall, skinny kid called Greg Inglis. Um, yeah. who, oh, really, we'd seen, we'd seen, that guy. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have I heard of it? We'd seen, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. we'd seen uh, a little bit of footage from him. I think he might have played a few games in the year before and he'd, he'd done some good things in Queensland Cup playing for the Storms Feeder Club. Yeah. Anyway, I remember him, uh, our, our assistant coach, John Ackland, talking to some of our boys about him, saying, oh, just be careful of this kid. He's, he's fast and, it, you know. Anyway, our, our boys were like, uh, oh, yeah, you know, whatever kind of thing. It's gonna... <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we had a scrum. They had a scrum about... I don't know, it's probably midfield, about 50 out, 40 out. And they just sort of went past, past, straight to him. He was playing the centres, GI, on the left side. He just ran around Tony Martin like he wasn't like he wasn't there. Yeah. And then he and and Webby Webby was on the wing. I don't know why he was on the wing. Uh, he just defended there off a of scrum, I think, sometimes. And Webby was like, oh, you know, showing him the sideline. I'll, I'll pick this bloke up. <laughs> Never got near him. Never got near him. <laughs> Ran round untouched. It was like an under eight try. Ran round untouched and scored. So, anyway, we all knew who Greg Inglis was. And yeah. Just watched him do that for the next 15 years or whatever it was. Yeah. Yep. And uh, the uh, first win. So, we lost the game against the Storm. Then we, I don't even know, we lost the next lost the next one. So, Parramatta. Yeah. Was it? Uh, oh, yeah. Um, that might have been, uh, what I, oh, that was later in the year when Jared Hang played. Anyway, um, so. We go down to uh, Christchurch. So West Tigers used to take a, a home game yep. of theirs to Christchurch at the time. So we went over there. Um, Tigers were the premiers, 05 premiers. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, we played awesome. Played a really good game, won, won convincingly. Um, and I remember thinking uh, Tim Sheens was a coach, and I was like, wow, I, I just beat a – I was the head coach, just beat a team that, Tim Sheen's coach so that was like that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I was so excited that night. So I didn't really have a beer or anything. I don't think I just didn't need to. I was just pumped. Got yeah. up really early the next morning. I couldn't sleep. I jumped on this push bike. Was it? There was a push bike. Like some of those, you know, hotels have push bikes. So I thought I'm going to ride out to this place called Sumner down in Christchurch. Beautiful beach down there. Good mate of mine lives there. It was still dark. I thought, and I, I knew it was going to be cold, but I thought, oh, you know, once I once I start riding, I'll probably warm up. Anyway, we start start riding, and the bloody hands are that cold. Like I didn't have gloves or anything. I couldn't even feel my fingers. I'm thinking, shit. When do your hands warm up? <laughs> anyway, I, <laughs> I ride past these two guys that were clearly locals, you know, proper cyclist dudes, and they had 
balaclavas and gloves on, and I'm just thinking, oh, you idiot. Like, looked at me thinking, who's this idiot? Like, anyway, I, you know what? I still didn't care because we just won a game. We beat, won our first game. I was still pretty happy. Who's this novice? Yeah. So someone asked earlier how you found the weather in New Zealand, and I think that that kind of answered it. You never quite acclimatised to it in 2006. <laughs> yeah. Um, I used to always feel like the weather, you'd wake up in the morning and you look out and it'd be beautiful blue sky in Auckland. And by the time you had a shower, it was raining. So yeah. that, and that, that was kind of like the, yeah, the, the introduction. And, I don't think it's changed too much, but you definitely get used to it. And one thing yeah. I love about New Zealand weather is the summer. Um, it doesn't go for that long enough, but it is beautiful. It's um, never gets too hot, but it's it's warm enough for sure. And uh, yeah, love summer. Just wish it lasted a bit longer. Yeah, but I yeah, you get, like you, you get used to it. It's actually Auckland's alright. It doesn't get that, doesn't get too cold. And I used to talk to when I was coach. I used to always trying to explain to the boys that I hope it rains when we play at home because the, 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 the visiting team will hate it even more. So we used to say, yeah, this is our weather boys when it was raining, you know. Yeah. And uh, I found out a bit later that uh, the boys would be like, yeah, yeah, it's our weather. And at secret, they'd be like, oh, we hate playing in the rain. When we had Michael Luck on, he said that his most favourite place uh, was on a Sunday afternoon in the pouring rain. Standing in the middle of Mount Smart's rainy rain. See, yeah, yeah. yeah see, yeah. lucky, like God, God love him. He, he, he was a good student and a good, uh, good team man. It also probably yeah. slowed the game down to his speed. I think too. That probably yeah. helped. <laughs> and Ravelli was the same. Ravel, uh, Grant Ravelli, when he was on the other week, said he loved playing it in the rain at uh, Auckland. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, that's good because I, I, I sort of thought that uh, they, they used to just tell me what I wanted to hear, but uh, <laughs> no. I think we did, no, you know, like, like we did. I'm only saying, that's only two. That's only two players. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah. Um, yeah, I think some of the boys who had the potential to do the old one-hand offloads and that would have preferred yeah. to dry. Yeah, um, yeah. But it, you know what? We were, we were bat. You know, we were battlers when we started. You know, we were. It was a rebuild. Um, you know, we had started like minus four and 06 and and. Um, we were looking for any advantage we could find, you know, and, and so that was one of the things we tried to, you know, touch yeah. on was um, we wanted it to be hard for opposition teams. We, we didn't want it to enjoy coming to Mount Smart. Yeah, so that was the way we played yeah. and all that, that was, that was a big part of it. Yeah. Well, that first season, 2006, is actually a very good season. If it wasn't for those minus four points, we would have finished in eighth ahead of Parramatta. Um, we ended up finishing. Um, but how did you enjoy that first full season as an NRL head coach? Yeah, I loved it. We finished uh, finished quite well. I think we were uh, we won like eight out of our last uh, twelve games. We finished eight and four. Um, won some games, played some good games near the end. Um, we actually played the Broncos the last game of the year uh, at Suncorp. That was the first time I'd ever been to Suncorp. Fell in love with that place, even though we lost. Um, and yeah, ironically, just won a premiership there, so it's just an unbelievable stadium. Yeah, and we we, we gave the Bronx a really. They came out that day, and they were like, they were like red hot. I think it was Shane Webke's maybe his last game. Yeah, it's Webby's last game. I was I was, was there in there as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Hot. It was like 
huge crowd. Um, actually, remember Webke ran on. He ran on the. He ran on. He ran. The, he ran to the wrong end because like they were receiving. So he was going to be, you know, taking yeah, that's the, right. yeah. the kickoff. And he was. It looked like he was so wrapped up in the crowd and his moment. He, he actually ran for the wrong all the way down the wrong end. <laughs> so I thought. Yeah, I actually yeah, I thought that, that's yeah. an omen. We're going to win this. We're going to win. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, that they started. Yeah, they started like red hot. Lockyer was. Yeah, he was. They were just playing that fast. Um, but we hung in there and we we're actually going all right. And they scored a couple of late tries to put a bit of a gap. But I remember saying, thinking two things. You know what? We finished that season, yeah, 12 and 12. Uh, we just played against a team that I think is going to win the comp. I, I felt like I reckon they're going to win it. And that, as it turned out, they did win it. But I sort of knew that they were going to be there or thereabouts, which, you know, at Suncorp, when they're preparing for the finals at a full house on a big day for them, like Shane Webby. Yeah, I thought we that was a that was a good sign for us. So, yeah, finished that year. Uh, 07 was, um, yeah, we, we kind of built from that. And, um, I had the semis. Um, I think it was like, it was pretty tight. Like, it was very tight that we ended up making the top four. We had to beat Penrith in the last game of the year in Penrith um, to make the four. Uh, we, we, we knew that before the game, so it's a pretty tough game, tight game. Uh, to win that, that was a really, I remember that was a special feeling. That was to make the top four was like, wow, that's really cool. So we were like pretty, pretty excited after, after that. Uh, I don't know if anyone else has spoken about this semi final up there uh, yeah. against Townsville, against, sorry, the Cowboys in Townsville. Yeah. Uh, the black jerseys. Yeah. Yeah. A question has really come like, through like, about uh, it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember, I'm sure it sounded like Pricey spoke about everything else, so he probably spoke about this. Yeah, so we, were, we, um, we warmed up, uh, like in those days, the warm-up was sort of out the back. Anyway, um, uh, we, we went out there, and seriously, by the time they got back, or halfway back, they were just cooked, sweating. <laughs> and pro I remember, pro remember Pricey looked at our, our trainer, Craig Walker, and just goes, whose idea was this? <laughs> and I'm thinking... <laughs> Oh, mate, you'll be right, you know, you'll be right. But it was just like, I, I don't know what, again, who's, who decided to schedule a semi-final game in, in mm -hmm. September in, in the afternoon in Townsville. Of course, they, they wore white jerseys, their they're yeah. waist strip, and all that. And we didn't, have, we didn't have anything else other than black and black. silver, I think. So silver didn't do the job, so we had to wear the black. So that was a good lesson for me. But um, moving forward uh, around having a, an alternate strip so that wouldn't happen to us again. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was uh, – oh, we actually lost. That's right. We lost – the biggest loss in that that year was we, we lost against Parramatta at home. Yeah. Uh, first semi. Yeah, that, that, that was – yeah. Once that happened, it was always going to be tough. So, yeah, two and out. Mm. Uh, Let's talk year, about – yeah. That Cowboys game that they put the sprinklers on in the morning too, to, which kind of increases the humidity up there. <laughs> yeah, um, another story there. The, there was a guy walking around the ground. There's a groundsman, and he was dressed like Steve Irwin. He had like the car keys and the big hat, you know. And um, yeah, I heard that they they put the, the sprinklers on. But then anyway, I heard later on that that groundsman was Matt Parrish, who was the uh, assistant coach oh, for the Cowboys. Really? Oh, really? <laughs> That's a little story, yeah. Yeah, wow. like Jeez. talk about talk about a coach like it. it, it Half time, I think, was maybe 
Thurston had just put on a try just before halftime, which was disappointing. But we were only maybe like, I don't know, 10 points down or something. It wasn't, you know. But the boys just came in and they looked. They were just, yeah, there was nothing yeah. there. You know, there was nothing there. And I just, I remember walking. There's a, so when you go at, at whatever it's called these days, whatever the name of the stadium is, you got to climb the stairs at the back of the stadium and you got to walk across the roof. And, and anyway, I remember on the way back up there, just saying to the, you know, the assistants and that, shit, man, <laughs> that didn't look good. No. That didn't look no. good. And um, anyway, we tried to, you know, as best I could, just said, right, we're, we're kicking off, boys. Just put in a good defensive set. Let's get, you know, which they did. I think they kept them inside the 40. They kicked inside the 40. A guy called Michael Crockett was playing on the wing. Yeah, Davy, and he and they they kicked, and he sort of ran back to catch it on the full, about thirty meters out. Hey, like it was, it was and I was like, oh, that's going. You know what? When he catches this, brings it back, we're going to be in pretty good field position off the first set. That's exactly what we need. Anyway, poor old Davy, it went through his hands, and as it, he was facing his own goal line. As it went through his hands, he actually kicked it. <laughs> he was oh, running. Man. It came off his foot, and. He did say kicked the 30 metres over the dead ball line. Like, so. <laughs> anyway, I looked at our forwards. I looked at all our forwards and the heads went down and they're like, they walked back. I'm like, oh, no. And then we dropped out and they, I think the Cowboys scored on the last tackle of that set. And that was it. Um, the rest of the day was just a nightmare. Sorry, sorry, Croc. <laughs> well, yeah. mate, 2007 um, is also the year when the uh, rugby league tragic such as myself, uh, we get to see you in your first acting role in Matty Nable's uh, rugby uh, league movie, yeah. The Final Winter. <laughs> you play the <laughs> important role of judiciary panellist. Um, yeah. And my good mate Dave Perry was in that movie too. He was playing uh, halfback, I think, for the Newtown side. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, how how yeah. did all that come about, mate? How did you, And how did you enjoy your foray into uh, into acting? Yeah, well, firstly, what came about, because a mate of mine was, uh, well, I was mates with Matty Nable anyway, and another mate was, yep. uh, a couple of mates were uh, produced the movie. That's why all a bunch of Nevilles like Dave Perry ended up, you know, <laughs> running around <laughs> doing the footy shots, which if I watch that back now, that is so funny. It's so funny, some of the guys that. Is. that. Uh, Maddie, anyway, Maddie um, Johns is over. It's Maddie Johns is overacting that gets it for me. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to be serious. How funny, how funny is that? Maddie tries to be serious. Right? Yeah. So anyway, I, I mean, I was um, obviously living in Auckland, so I, I just came back and they just said, "Oh, hey, do you want to jump in this movie?" So I went out. I said, "Yeah, yeah." So I went out for one. I was just there for one day. Yeah. And um, they put me in that terrible brown suit. I ended up in. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I'm like literally in the middle of these scenes in the judiciary and they i've got these like scripts and i've never even read them before and i'm thinking oh yeah we'll just do some we'll just do you know like some some practice runs yeah uh and but no cut boom let's go and i'm like i was missing lines and that like i actually had lines and maddie had talk and someone else would talk and i was like oh and then, and then they like freewheel it and then they go, and the bloke guy, cut, cut. And I'm like, oh, shit, sorry. Oh, no, no, I missed that. So I did all these, I had all these lines done on that. And I, and they all got left on the cutting room floor. And yeah. all, I, all, I got, oh. all I got in the movie was like this stupid look. 
that silly grin on your face? Was it was it John yeah. Jarrett that was yeah. in that as well? Yeah, John Jarrett. I was like, yeah. I was actually a bit starstruck when I'm in there. I was like, what am I doing in here? Like, yeah. anyway, um, yeah, I uh, yeah, I, I actually we actually took all the boys, um, well, we took the team to watch the movie. I think half of them went for a slip. Uh, <laughs> And I'm I'm thinking I thought I had a bit bigger part than that. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's quite funny as it turned out. Yeah. I haven't got another phone call by the way after that. One. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's an agent after that. You're getting these gigs. Well, Matty's not making <laughs> yeah. too many movies anymore. He's 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 instead employed by Fox League, and he's doing have a look at this guy. Oh, no. Have a look at this guy. He's that guy now, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, the voice. Yeah, yeah, he's the uh, voice uh, of Fox League. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually played with um, played with Matty, yeah, you know, through the Manly lower grades and stuff. And yeah, did you play with Adam as well? Uh, no, Adam was a bit younger than me, so okay. no, I didn't actually play with him. But yeah, obviously, uh, yeah, like I used to hang out with those guys. And, yeah, um, I remember Matty used to used to yeah he used to uh, write stories and stuff, and he was a real keen. Had a real keen interest in the history of rugby league, but he used to write yeah. stories and, and um I knew he had that kind of in him, but yeah, like just to see where that was actually his first acting gig, that movie, because he wrote the movie and it was because it was such a low budget. Yeah. He ended up he ended up doing the lead role and ended up getting getting a star as an actor through that. Um, well, it works for got, got, Yeah. <laughs> he's gone on to write it, yeah, write some of his own stuff as as well. Yeah. Um yeah, it's amazing, actually. Amazing where where that all came from. And, he's been in some good stuff. He was in that um, the one where he played uh, the bikey boss uh, from the Milk yeah. Road. He was in that. Yeah. Uh, he, yeah, he had a recurring part in um, uh, what is it, Mister In Between, as well, which was a pretty good series. Yeah, yeah. No, he's done he's done some heaps of good stuff. Like, yeah, pretty cool. Like where it all came from. Yeah, and you and Dave still haven't got anything. No, but um, when 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 they finally get rid of me as a coach, I might I might start back up again. Oh, okay, yeah, sure. that's yeah, judiciary yeah, that's panelist. Judiciary <laughs> number two. Uh, yeah. This time. <laughs> well, you know what? Someone's got to someone's got to get this judiciary right. Maybe in the real thing. Maybe we got to do the yeah. real thing. Yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, mate, mate, Grant Ravelli told us another funny story about George Gaddis and a constantly wet towel. During the uh, 2006 or 2007 preseason, that sent him to breaking point in the process of doing a sacrificial burning, and he nearly set alight the uh, Ellerslie Eagles clubhouse. Do you remember that incident? Uh, yeah, I don't know the whole details, but uh, Georgie was a, a real character, and unfortunately, the butt of many jokes. Uh, yeah, so I, I yeah I heard a little bit about that. I I heard a few stories about yeah Ravsy and. Uh, George and Lucky and some of those guys, Simon Mannering. I, I, I didn't really want to know all the details most of the time. <laughs> no. Oh, poor old yeah. Georgie. Mate, back to, we'll get back to the footy. 2008 was another successful season. We qualify for the game. As Warriors fans, there are probably seven iconic games in Warriors folklore. Uh, the first three that, that people remember are you know, game 195 against the Broncos, the 02 grand final, and obviously the 2011 grand final. Interestingly, uh, you're involved in six of those seven games, whether it be as player or coach. Uh, the only game you're not involved in is the the um, 95 first game against the Broncos. 
can we just talk about each of those just briefly? So 2008, first versus eighth semi-final against the Storm in Melbourne. What do you remember about that iconic game? And please tell us what you were thinking or saying in the coach's box when Witty scored uh, that try where he took an eight to put the ball down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, look, one of my definitely uh, one of my career highlights playing or coaching um, was that game. Um, I remember going there and we and we, you know, like we sort of always thought playing the Storm was um, just something that I don't know. It was always something that we looked forward to, and we used to play. You know, we used to play well. I think '06 was one of the going back to '06. One of the highlights of that year was winning. We beat Melbourne down there. Olympic Park late late in the season, uh, they had an unbelievable season. I, I don't even know if they'd been beaten that that year in in Melbourne, and we we beat them, and that was like a that was a really cool moment. Um, so we always sort of thought, you know, we I don't know, we just always I don't know if it was a matchup. We just loved the the I guess the thrill and the challenge of playing against Melbourne, and that was when they were getting really good. Yeah. So they made the GF made the GF in '06 after. Pretty much being the best team all year and losing to Brisbane. Um, 07, yeah, they won it. So then 08 again, they were just they were just becoming a real powerhouse. So um, we just Ruben was really instrumental. He had this thing where we we started talking about you know so what are, what do they do in Melbourne? They have the, they always have the big banner and, and what can we do to try and I don't know just try and upset them or just do something a bit different. So. We kind of came hatched this plan about uh, uh, we, we would so we run out first and then they're all just going to move aside. We all stand in a, in a huddle behind the banner. So when they ran out the banner, that we'd be standing there basically as a group. Um, I remember Pricey. I think he was really. I don't think he was too happy about that one. I could think he was because he had his own route, sort of had his own routine and whatever. Yeah, that was sort of just the start of it. All all that really did was just just was sort of just to say, well, you know what. We're coming here to, we're, we're coming here to try and win. I mean, I wouldn't just come here to make up the numbers, which everyone sort of thought was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. The game started, and and, uh, and we were just in a good rhythm right from the start. You know, we were we, we looked good defensively. We were moving well, and I just had that feeling that we were going to give it a really good shake. Um, Jerome Ropati scored a great try for scrum just before half time. That was like, wow, that's that. Yeah, okay. I think level it up or something. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know, as the game was sort of progressing, it was just as long as we could stay close, you always just had a feeling. Sometimes you have feelings um, in, in games. You just you have a feeling that it's going to end well. Sometimes you feel it's going to end badly too. So but that game we always felt like, and as it turned out, I mean, yeah, wow, what a try. And just what was I thinking about Witty? Um, I don't know. I, he's the kind of guy that's, yeah, I wasn't. Really, I wasn't really worried. Actually, I, I was just think I, I don't know what he was doing, but I didn't really. I wasn't really that worried. <laughs> just put the ball his, his explanation. His explanation about trying to run the clock to waste time. I, yeah, I'm not sure that yeah. stacked up. But anyway, yeah. uh, <laughs> it's just you know what? It was, it was a good. It was a good piece of folklore. Um, another thing I remember about that game is at the end of the game, they had all these departing players. I think guys like Mick Crocker and I think Matty Guy and. So you know when you you have it, you, you finish the game or finish the season, yeah. and you sort of depart the players. And I'm sure it was meant to be after a win that they yeah. were doing this stuff on the on the vision, and we we're sitting there, and they're all sitting there really glum faced and that, and we're all like just that excited. And, <laughs> yeah, that was just um, 
that was an unbelievable win. Like honestly, and I think they hadn't lost a game at home for like a year and a half or something at that yeah. point as well. So, yeah, that was the beards too. I think all the boys yeah, it was that was the beards. Next, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, that was a, yeah. yeah again yeah, that was again something thing, that, I think yeah. something that Woody couldn't do grow a beard. Yeah, well, uh, you know what? I, I, I admired the guys who, yeah, didn't were a bit challenged in that area, but they they did yeah. their best and wore it, wore it proudly. Yeah. That's the whole thing of team. It's the yeah. whole point of team, though. It's just one of those one of those things where everybody, whether they liked it or not, just said they'll do it. And, uh, just little things like that sometimes can yeah help galvanise the team. Yeah. Well, mate, talking about iconic Warriors games, the week thousand, the blackout against the Roosters, and that unexpected home game—that's one game that Warriors fans will never ever forget. Um, tell us that um, awesome night. Yeah, uh, my good mate Brad Fitler is a coach for the Roosters. Uh, uh, yeah, they had some they had some good players, dangerous. I just thought I always felt pretty confident like it was pretty cool like you go to the, as the eighth team I was complaining about scheduling before but we got lucky on this one as the eighth team you win a game and you end up getting a game at home so yeah uh, mind you to beat Melbourne we, we probably deserved one uh, yeah. to get one at home so it was a pretty good advantage though um, mm. and as you said the big blackout and the huge crowd and I mean it, I think probably most people remember Ruben's run off the kickoff I think um, uh, see Saliola tried to put a shot on him and yeah, Ruben come off uh, better. That was Ruben's last season too. So it was just a really, um, yeah, fitting moment, I think. Um, yeah. Just sort of, you know, wind down his career and uh, like young Buck tries to, you know, smash the old guy and comes off second best. It's pretty, uh, it was pretty cool, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't remember much else about that game. I think it was a penalty try, but we got conceded against us. I think Minicello, maybe. Yeah, but I don't. I don't remember that much about that game, other than the probably the Ruben thing and just the just the atmosphere and the feeling and and all that. Yeah, it was a couple of amazing weeks though. You know, yeah, back in the Melbourne game up, coming home to that, and then again, like I talk about this a bit, is about that when you have a bit of expectation and a big crowd and. Um, you know, when you start getting those ones done, you know, so uh, especially after the disappointment of the home final we lost in 07, so that was important, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, we'll jump forward to, to 2011, mate, that semi-final against the Tigers at the Sydney Football Stadium, uh, a game that really yeah. was uh, the, you know, a game of two halves. It was all Tigers in the first half and then all us in the second um, with that uh, try by uh, Christian Inu right at the death there. What, what are your thoughts on that game? What do you remember about that? <laughs> Yeah, so speaking of Kristen, he, we went over, uh, we'd kind of come up with this thing um, where we, when we travelled, we would try not to train on that day. And so I think we, we went over two days early, which we were doing that year. Uh, we, we ended up doing that, just seemed to be working. Um, so we went, I think we went over on the two days before, then we, on the day before, instead of doing a training session, we just did like a walkthrough. Yep. like in joggers so it was just a light run so as it turned out the boys didn't have to wear their boots uh leading up to the game so anyway we're on the bus uh heading to the footy stadium next thing um 
Christian comes down the bus, he comes down there and he goes, oh, I haven't got any boots. What? <laughs> I haven't got any boots. What do you mean you haven't got any boots? Yeah, I forgot my boots. And I'm thinking, we've been here for three days. Like, how would you not know that? But then I thought, oh, well, maybe, you know. Anyway, then he's on the phone. He's on the phone, he's going, he's, he's talking to his sister, I think, you know, and Menai, wherever, you know, yeah. Minto, wherever they're from. And, and he's going, yeah, um, just go into the second bedroom and then um, look up on the left. And he's saying it really loud. And I'm like, mate, just keep it down. I don't want the rest of the team to know. It's like up in the cupboard, there's a pair. Of... Anyway, anyway, these boots turn up and uh, he put <laughs> he puts the boots on and they're pink, right? Of all colors. <laughs> in 2011, I don't, there weren't many people wearing pink boots. So. No. Uh, well, actually, he's pink boots on and I'm thinking, how's this going to affect his preparation? And there's anyone else, you know, but in classic Christian style comes up with that play yeah. uh, at the end to, to win the game. Um, yeah. I made a big blunder actually that game. Um, I started the Kuma tie uh, instead of Elijah Taylor. Yeah. Uh, I had Elijah, Elijah on the bench and I just, I, I don't even know why I did that. Uh, I obviously had a thought I had a good reason, but, the Kuma hadn't played much towards that back end of the year. Um, as he's, yeah, he wasn't, hadn't had a lot of first grade. Um, I don't know. He just, anyway, he was just, he was a bit off the pace. And Benji was just like, they were carving us up at the start of the game. They started like red hot. Yeah, they were. Played their first 15 sets. They were, um, and I just, I remember, I, yeah, so I think we were down two tries to nil and um, got Elijah on there thinking, oh my God, what have, you know, what have I done? Anyway, we did talk about before the game in terms of strategy. I said, look, they will, they'll, they'll make some mistakes. And when, when they make a mistake, we've we got to pay because they'll, they'll, they'll start crumbling in the middle. So they had a guy called Matt Grote who came on. He came off the bench yep. uh, and he dropped the ball. <laughs> got to love it when a guy comes off the bench and drops it. That happens sometimes. <laughs> anyway. And we scored and it couldn't have gone more to plan. We scored straight through the middle that set. Uh, Kevin Locke. Great right foot step, just threw it offload, and Jimmy Maloney managed to yep. hang on to it and score. So it was like, from one bad coaching decision, starting Akuma, I should have been the other way around. Should have started Elijah and Akuma come off the bench. To like, uh, you know, your game plan or whatever, just coming true, like better than you can ever imagine. Yeah. Um, Tim Shane still talks about Matt Gray to this day, actually, from that game. So that's pretty funny. So, yeah, <laughs> I just. We remember everything, you know, so yeah, yeah, um, it was just, um, yeah, just as obviously just super tight, uh, good comeback that game, like, uh, yeah, um, any semi final wins an awesome one, but um, uh, we'd lost badly to the Broncos the week before and yes, um, just got another, just got another gig by the skin of our teeth. So when we were down 14 0 or whatever it was against the Tigers after getting flogged by the Broncos, it's like, man, and I was leaving, I knew I was leaving the club, so. I was thinking, oh, that's not a good way to go out. But, yeah. Um, yeah, thank God the boys hung in there and we got that last gas win. Yep. Yeah, mate, and, and the performance the following week, uh, the prelim final against the Storm, incredible defensive effort and that Sean Johnson masterclass at the end to put Louis Brown in. Um, your thoughts on that game? Yeah. Uh, well, again, uh, we'd had a good win against Melbourne previously that year down there, the, the Anzac, Anzac game. Um, so we were feeling 
you know, pretty good. By that stage, it became a bit of a rivalry between us and the Storm. And our games were always close, and we were always a good chance. We always thought we could win, and they, I think they knew that too. They, 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 so it was, yeah, um, yeah. Storm uh, coming off the week off uh, again, really strong team, good, good season. Uh, yeah, huge win, like unbelievable win. We, we actually. Of all, sometimes you score tries in the least when you when you least plan for it, and we scored two two tries in that game that weren't really to the script. Um, lucky, lucky through just through did a hit up. It just looked like a hit up to just lay a line near the in the storm twenty. And Jimmy Maloney, like he does, just got great instincts. He just hit a hole, yeah. and lucky hit him, and he went like straight through, like untouched. That was like, oh my god, like. Um, and that's that's the sort of thing that could get the storm a little bit. They were so structured and so so good that way that if you could play, do some stuff that they weren't expecting. Now, I don't know whether those two planned that or not, but uh, that got us a try in the first half. One thing about playing Melbourne, you just can't give up too many points. So, you've got to yeah. make sure your defence is good and, and ours was good. And it was real to and fro stuff the second half. Um, real grind, good you know kick chase stuff, uh, and then. Yeah, Shawnee just came up with that play. Uh, mesmerised Cooper Cronk. That was just brilliant. Yeah. Uh, to put Sharky out of it. Yeah. And then Jimmy still had to kick the goal to pretty much yeah. seal it from the sideline. Um, yeah. And just, I remember thinking when the siren went, I was just thinking, wow, what does our week look like now? You know, I, I must say, I hadn't really prepared too much in terms of grand final week. Not, not that we didn't think we could win, but. It was more like I probably didn't want to do that just to, yeah. you know, wanted to stay, you know, present on what's going on. And um, oh, that's what I was thinking. I was just thinking, well, that's what I was mainly thinking. Oh, shit, what are we going to do? Like, this, what's this week look like, you know? Like, what yeah. day do we have to leave and all that kind of stuff. So uh, <laughs> we had a good good night afterwards, actually. Back uh, Went back to the hotel and, um, yeah, some families and stuff had come over. And, yeah, to be able to beat Melbourne in a prelim, um, in Melbourne was a yeah, phenomenal achievement, probably as good as anything that I'd been involved in at the Warriors. Yeah. And then um, the grand final, mate, the 2011 grand final. Uh, your first as an NRL coach um, against a red hot Manly side. They were, you know, obviously one of the best teams all year that year. What do you remember about that experience? Um, do you get the same emotions and feelings as a player, or are they different when you're a coach? Yeah, but, uh, they're sort of they're a bit a bit different because you uh, you know your I guess your your performance as a coach is mainly in the lead up, you know. Yeah. Um, so things like selection and uh, just preparation, how you train, all that kind of stuff, you got to get that right. And so you'll know by game day pretty much how that's gone. Um, I think I do remember that the weather was like there's a bit of a chance of rain, and so we were trying to kind of, um, you know, how was that going to go? How was that going to change anything? Um, it started raining. It was raining while the national anthems were being played. So, so like, okay, um, we always had this thing that year that we could beat anyone in the last twenty minutes. That was our, you know, that was our thing. Um, yeah. The opposite of what everyone always said about Warriors teams. We actually that was our. We we that we sort of held our you know, hung our hat on that 
So we always knew, and this is this game is no different. If we get to the last twenty, sort of in the hunt, you know, that, then we'd we'd feel good. Um, especially after the previous week against Melbourne, where we were so good in the last twenty minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Started out. I've, if I, yeah, we're probably a little conservative uh, that game. I think. But having said that, like, we, you know, we're doing lots of things right. We got out to a two-point lead. Considered a try, yeah, a little inside ball to Brett Stewart. Probably should have stopped that. That was a bit disappointing. And then, yeah, for anyone who remembers it, Glenn Stewart just came up with this play that will go down in, yeah, yeah. grand final folklore. Yeah. Grubbered inside his own half. Um, yeah, we're a bit, yeah, to, for, so they scored, Cherry and scored, so it's 12 2 at half time. Probably a bit un. Yeah, I, I don't think that score that scoreline didn't really indicate the game. But having said that, you know, we always we didn't we weren't too worried about that. Again, thinking about twenty minutes to go, so we just needed to come out and start well in the second half. And I just saw this try recently. Um, that Manly's next try. <clears throat> uh, it's almost yeah. You wouldn't say it's unstoppable, but it's quite it's close. You know close it's a kick and they tap it back and then they pass and then hop away he's about to get dragged out the sideline by oh that's right yeah. defense by us but then he flicks the ball back inside goes straight to someone else it's just like oh man you know and all of a sudden it's 18 2 and it's like yeah that's yeah that's 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 a tall yeah that's a tall uh order but yeah we, we came up with two tries and close on another and unfortunately jimmy just couldn't land one of his Goals. Uh, if we could have kept it to six points rather than eight points, I think that would have made a big difference. It would have, would have just, uh, we just got a little bit frantic because it was a two-score game and not a one. Um, yeah, disappointing that they scored right on the bell, you know, to make it twenty-four ten because it was a lot closer than that. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, nice. I didn't really have, again like, like the like the O two grand final I played. I didn't have a lot of regrets. I just thought we gave it a real good shake and. Yeah, just didn't quite, you know, just didn't quite get it. Man, they were, yeah. man, they were very good. It was more, probably more emotional day for me because I knew I was leaving. So uh, that became the emotion after the game more than anything. Yeah. Losing hurts and all that. But I was I was like hurt more, more probably because I was leaving where I didn't really want to. But anyway, that uh, yeah, that was um, a great season. Unbelievable season and an awesome semi-series after a a tough start so yeah 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 that was it yeah what did you what did you learn from that experience that better served you for the past two grand finals in 2020 and 21 um well yeah preparation's everything i think it's difficult and the warriors are always going to go through this um one it's that's they, tra- they travel more than anyone. It's, it doesn't matter what's going on. I know it's a bit different now because they've been living in mm. Central Coast and now Redcliffe and whatnot, but that's got its own challenges, obviously. But Verma based in Auck- in Auckland, and it's always going to be hard over a long season, the amount of travel. Like, it's not – you can't it's, – it's, it's, it's not a deal breaker, but it's hard, you know. Um, and then the semis, it's like, yeah, just little things like making the grand final – you just your, your preparation is totally different to any other time, and there's nothing you can do about that. You know, you, you have to be over there by a certain day, and 
everything's just so different. Um, again, it's not a deal breaker, and I was pretty happy how we did plenty of good things in that game. Um, so I wouldn't have gone away going, oh, next time we next time we make it, you know, we'll do this, we'll do that, or whatever. Mm. I had to wait another nine years anyway. Um, yeah, just but any experience helps you, you know. Um, uh, yeah, that was probably it. Yeah, we've seen at the Panthers though, over these past few years, you've been blooding young players and giving them opportunities in first rate. And it was something you did really well at the Warriors. So you gave a lot of young guys like Ben Madalino, Grant Ravelli, uh, Sammy Rapira, Russell Packer, Louis Brown, Kevin Locke, Lynn Fishiahi, Elijah Taylor got, and Sean Johnson, uh, their, their first opportunities in first grade. One youngster, though, that you brought into first grade in 2008. who was going to be a star. Can you tell us a little bit about Sonny Fyfe? Yeah, Sonny was, uh, he was, he and Frank Nuasala were actually, I don't know whether they're the same age, but they were sort of uh, coming through together. And um, I always heard about these guys. Um, and when I started coaching, they were in our development program, but I don't know, I just, I never seemed to see them too much. Uh, Anyway, when Sonny first joined the squad, I mean, it's the, the thing you first notice is his physical uh, presence. I mean, he, he was built like he could not be built any better for, for rugby league than Sonny. He was, he was, um, he was, he was tall but not overly tall. Like he's, you know, like good, good height, just big, like muscles everywhere and fast. Like he was fast. Uh, he had a really good nature about him. He was, you know, he was funny. He was kind of goofy kind of guy, that, um, but always happy. And, um, yeah, the 08 season, like he's a back rower by trade, but I think we debuted him and he was playing the back row. And I just never felt comfortable that he was ready for the, the you know, the grind of playing the back row and the minutes you got to play. And, and I just thought athletically, you know, we should, we'll give this guy a crack in the centres, which I, I still do to this day. I, I, I like back row, back rowers, young back rowers, first playing first grade in the centres. Um, yep. Simon Juju played, he played in the centres. Um, uh, Isaiah Yeo debuted, debuted him in the centres. Um, Sonny Bill. You know, so Sonny was, is that well, Sonny Bill, wow, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Like it just, one, it gets them, it gets them, it's an 80 minute position, so they, they, they actually have to play 80 minutes, but it's not as intense in terms of all the, Defense you got to do, just attack. This is in terms of systems, all, all the things you got to know, and that's just a bit easier to play. Anyway, Sonny, he had some really good games. Um, we had a good win against Melbourne um, at home that year. He played well, he's got a try. Uh, and I was just thinking, right, this is going to, that he's going to catapult his career and the next year. And uh, yeah, but my, my memories of Sonny are only good, you know, like. Good fun, uh, respectful, you know, good learner. He just, yeah, he, he just, he's a good team guy. Just, yeah, one of the saddest things I've ever, it's ever happened to me in not only life, but, but certainly probably footy. Yeah, his, his passing was very tragic. And we've had uh, Lucky and, and Brent Tate and Steve Price all talk about how it impact, impacted on them personally. How hard was it for you as coach to try and navigate the players through that period? Yeah, well, there's no manual for that. You know, they don't teach you how to do that. Uh, um, I mean, on the day, 
the day after it happened. So I, I'd flown, it was the first day back at training um, after the Christmas break in 09. So I'd been in Sydney for the break, came, flew back on, on my own. My family were going to come back later. Uh, ironically, I've, you know, we flew over as you're flying to Auckland. So you go over that West Coast. And I remember looking out, mm. must have been about, it was in the afternoon sometime. And I remember looking out thinking, wow, what a beautiful day. Like it's so often you, you do that flight, you look down, it's, you know, that rugged coastline on the West Coast there. And it's, it's gray and it's, you know, but this day was perfect. And he was, and it was, you could actually see down almost through the water. It was really unusual, unusually nice and calm. And yeah, and I got a phone call in the middle of the night. I put him as a Don man and he just told me what happened. And I was like, uh, you know, when you in the middle of the night, just trying to process that. So he came in the next day and I was pretty much greeting the players as they came in. And I was telling them what happened, like one by one, seemed like. So they come in with a big smile on their face, you know, like happy to be back training, you know. And we ended up jumping on a bus and went out of the, out of the Bethels there and it became a search mission. It was it's like hard to, hard to process and explain that. As the year went on, uh, yeah, I mean, you do the best you can, but I think looking back, I didn't probably appreciate how much it affected some of them and they probably didn't either. And, you know, when it would come up and when it wouldn't, I suppose. And I remember do, I did think though, I felt like some of the boys felt a bit guilty that they were, you know, they were out there playing and doing what they're supposed to be loved, but they probably think at the same time, God's only a game of footy and, you know, we've lost our, my best mate, one of my best mates, and yeah, tragically. So, I mean, I don't know all that for sure, but in the end, it was just, yeah, it's hard to, I think it's hard to, especially for young guys, to try and really get all their focus on something like rugby league when, yeah, just they just know how much well, like they saw one of their mates' career and life just get taken away, yeah, just so, so quickly. No, it had a huge impact on all of us in the community and it affected the not the two thousand and nine season so much that, you know, it was a virtual standout. Um and one shining light though for the turn of Stacy Club. And we spoke to Stacy and he said that that was all you. Tell us how Stacy's return sort of eventuated. Yeah, I can't really remember, eh? <laughs> uh, I know I had a fair, I know I had a, yeah, I know I had a fair bit to do with it because I, you know, I, I really, you know, I mean, if you get a guy like Stacy, Stacy back, um, and he wants to do it, then, you know, you, you give it a crack. Um, I felt sorry for him that, you know, you mentioned. I mean, look, there's a few things that went went wrong that year. Um, you know, it wasn't all, you know, I don't think it's all about, um, unfortunately, what happened to Sonny, but that was definitely a big part of it. But we just, it was just so many, so many things that happened in that year. I felt sorry for Stace, you know. He was supposed to be coming back and helping a young team on the rise, you know, and it just didn't work out that way. Mm -hmm. uh, and he probably endured a pretty tough year, um, which certainly wasn't the plan. So, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, I tell you one story. I don't know if this has been told. Uh, the last, the last game of the year that year, um, Simon Simon Mannering uh, had done his medial two weeks before, I think, 
badly, you know. And uh, he had a yeah, there's a World Cup campaign, or sorry, a, a, whether it's Four Nations or whatever campaign coming up. Anyway, uh, we're playing Melbourne, who were like just yeah, they were they ended up being the premiers. Another last game of the year, playing the eventual premiers. Um, um, we all know about their salary cap at that point as well, so you can imagine how good they were. Anyway, um, Stacey's last game, and uh, Simon goes, I want to play. It's like, mate, what do you want to do that for? He goes, no, I want to play. Stacey's last game, out of respect, I want to play. And he's probably a six-week injury, and it's been, been out for two weeks, maybe missed one game. Straps it up, goes out there, plays the whole game, plays well. We lose 30-0. Um, we actually played all right. They, they were just, yeah, it was like these guys are going to win for sure. Um, but that sort of summed up a couple of things. One, how highly regarded Stacey was and how much respect everybody had for him. Yep. Um, especially those young players, but sort of said a bit about Simon too, about mm. what sort of bloke he was and how tough he was and, and just just his values. And, and, that, and that certainly kept, that kept us in um, good stead in the in the two years to come and you know when someone became captain as well absolutely yeah. mate we're hoping you can put a couple of rumors um to bed there's, there's been plenty oh. of rumors over, over the years uh regarding you and the warriors coaching job um so rumor one 2011 you finish up at the warriors and head to penrith did you want to stay at the club and the offer wasn't there or was it you wanted to head back to australia uh no, I, I no, I had no plans to head back to Australia. I, I would have preferred to stay. Uh, I had another year to go. So um, the the truth is that I felt like I felt like the club was looking for a change. Um, the two thousand nine season didn't help. I think it was pretty much from then on. It was a, like I was on the slide a bit. You know, we we did well in, in ten and came fifth. Yeah. I think and made the semis, but. Uh, Fortunately, the McIntyre system kind of screwed us yeah. a bit in that, that first week. Um, that, so that saved me for a bit. And then um, when Penrith kind of came knocking, uh, that sort of set this whole thing in motion where I was going to get a, an offer to stay, but then I wasn't. Uh, and then, it, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I felt like the club, that, that was a good opportunity for the club to, to go in a different direction. That's pretty much how it worked out. So, yeah, that's what happened. I, I, I certainly didn't say. Yeah, it wasn't my my wish to, to go back home. Mm. No, we could have had Nathan in a Warriors jersey. Okay, uh, <laughs> rumor, <laughs> rumor two: In 2017, when uh, Mooks was appointed coach, did the Warriors approach you whilst you're at the Tigers? No. No. Okay. No. No, they didn't. No. Okay. Okay. Needed to clarify that, mate, because there's on the Warriors no. fans forums, there's yeah, always a, these, yeah, yeah. a lot of no, absolutely no, uh, yeah, no, absolutely not. No, I uh, I did speak to the club in when I was out of a job in uh, it was just before Mooks got when Mooks got appointed, yeah, yeah, I, I, I spoke to them. Someone, um, I can't remember who now, uh, spoke to me then, um, but yeah. Uh, they appointed yeah, appointed Mooks, but I, I definitely wasn't. No, no one called me when any at any time after that. No. Okay. Damn. Uh, okay. Um. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just on your family <laughs> ties. 
ties. Um, obviously, your father, but your family ties extend further than that. So your brother-in-laws are, as you mentioned before, former bear, bear uh, Josh Stewart, and also warrior and Doctor Death himself, uh, Jason. Hmm. Uh, you and the you and the doctor married Josh Stewart. That makes former Newtown Jets player Stewart your father-in-law. Uh, very talented family pedigree. Yeah, yeah. Uh, lucky enough to um, call all those guys family. Uh, unfortunately, Tim uh, passed away a few years back now. Uh, actually, he was Nathan's biggest fan, Tim, and unfortunately never got to see him play first grade, uh, which was a real shame. Actually, if you ever watch Nathan go onto the field, he uh, the first thing he does before the game starts, he, he um, talks to his granddad uh, yeah, up above, so no, that's pretty cool. Is that what he's doing? Um, yeah, that's what he does. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, well, I think I think Beck, my wife, Nathan's mum. Yeah, she's the only only woman that we can sort of find that's uh, whose um, brother, brother-in-law, husband, son, and father have all played NRL. So, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, it must be her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she's the one, mate. She's the one. <laughs> is it also true that your father and your father is Michael Cleary, uh, six Test Wallaby, uh, eight Test Kangaroo, Commonwealth Games bronze medalist, South Wales politician who served as a minister for sport during the Neville Run era? Uh, no, that's not true. He's not my father. <laughs> Okay, so we've been stitched up there. Okay, <laughs> he's got a pretty, he's got a pretty good record. I think my old man would be pretty happy to have one of those. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. No, yeah. someone someone gave us that information. I was, I've I've been I've been researching that for about a week, and I couldn't find any links. But I thought we'll still ask it anyway, yeah. just in case. Yeah. Okay, I actually, I actually, uh, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> I, I bumped in. I bumped into Michael Cleary a couple of years ago. I see him a bit, you know, every now and then. And he goes, he goes, the amount of people that ask me whether you, you're my son, I said, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, likewise. You know, so yeah. someone's yeah. obviously started it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Those rumours, um, mate. Looking yeah. ahead to 2022, uh, Penrith kick off the season against Manly. That's going to be a bit of a blockbuster game to start the season, isn't it? Yeah, they're all hard. Um, they're all hard, but. That one's a yeah, that one's a, a pretty good good one to look forward to. It'd be great to get home back to Panthers yeah. Stadium uh, or Blue Bet Stadium, I should say. Yeah. Um, you know, all our all our fans would just be frothing at that one. Uh, so that'll be fun. And yeah, against against Manly, um, pretty cool to start the season off to on a Thursday night. Be the first game. I've, I don't think I've ever yeah. done that before. So that'll yeah, be good well, to be part of that. It'll be the game of the season after that night. Um, Mate, round, <laughs> round 15, um, you're scheduled to verse the Warriors in their return to Mount Smart Stadium. Uh, their first home game in what will be like 1,023 days. That's going to be a massive occasion. Probably quite fitting that um, you'll be coaching the, the team that plays against them, considering your history at the club. Yeah, um, that is something really to look forward to in so many ways. Uh, all my kids have already, they're already interviewing about that. They're, okay, they're coming over and you know, so it's yeah, it's, it's something that uh, is something to really look forward to. I I got to say, I, I hope they get one earlier than that. So which which would mean that COVID's kind of um, you know allowed New Zealand to kind of get back to normal. But um, if we're the first ones, as it turns out, um, 
that's going to be something else. Yeah, something to really yeah. look forward to. Yeah, yeah sure. All right, Ivan, I'm going to go through and ask you some rapid-fire questions we ask all of our guests. While Hammer here, I'll scroll through the comments for just a few of our uh, audience questions. So rapid-fire question number one, who was your toughest teammate? Jeff Tuvey. Oh, Warriors? Sorry? Oh, it could be anyone. Anyone, yeah. anyone. Uh, just, yeah. And he's gone. He didn't Ooh. like that question. No. Hopefully you'll jump back in in a minute. <laughs> no, I hope so. Yeah. Um, yeah, but hope, yeah. Thanks, thanks to all you guys for watching, especially all you guys in NZ for staying up so long. Hopefully he'll jump back in shortly. But yeah, Jeff Tuvey, toughest teammate. Um, we have got we've got all your questions here. So if Ivan does jump back in, we can. Yeah, I'm coming. I'm scrolling through now. There's a lot. There is a lot. Uh... A lot of contract ones about the coaching, which is good. We don't have to ask them now. They're, they're, that's he's done. It. Put he's put all that to bed. Yeah, uh, he's, he's addressed those. The most talked, the most probably the most requested question that we had for Ivan was yeah, how his time did uh, sort of end up there in 2011. Yeah. So now we all know the answer to that one. Um, yeah, and uh, Greg, I do have your questions here to ask him if he. Hopefully, if he can, we can get him back in. If not, it's been a fantastic chat anyway. Oh, mate. Yeah, I've gone a lot longer than I thought it would. A lot uh, longer, yeah. yeah. He's, he's nearly beaten um, Pricey. <laughs> I think he would have come close. He would have given yeah. I don't think he would have quite cracked the three hours. But, um, no. yeah, what an awesome chat. And, yeah. and like, if, he, if we aren't able to get him back on, we certainly thank him so much for his time um, that he has given us. I mean, he is a... Current first grade coach, and while we're just waiting for him, yeah, while we're just waiting for him, we'll just go through a little bit of news that we've got that we're going to throw up at the end of the show, um, that we can just quickly talk yep, about. We'll run through that now. Yeah. Uh, so first and foremost, uh, just to announce before we went on air, Tolhu Harris named as Warriors captain for 2022. Um, kind of not unexpected. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. That. That's right. It was. It was talked about is between FB and, and maybe Sean Johnson. I'm glad that it went to Tohu. He's been our most consistent performer over the last couple of years and um, he's got the experience for the job and uh, hopefully, yeah, obviously uh, the added experience hopefully takes his game to another level. Absolutely. Mm. Um, the Warriors merch now available on the Warriors website. Uh, seen a lot of members who had did the uh, member pre-order get their stuff sent to them. Uh, what, jerseys look good. Was good seeing TK decked out in one. Um, only can get the jersey and the polo at the moment, though, mate. Uh, training shirt. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So from what I've heard, and I saw this from someone on one of the one of the pages. So, so it's only the Warriors, uh, the home jersey that's currently available at the moment. What they were told from the guys at the store was that the rest of the merchandise will be coming out probably January and then March. Yep. So, uh, so at the moment on the home jersey, they are selling the home jersey as well over here. The jersey and the shirt, I recommend getting it from the Warriors store as well, especially if you've got your Absolutely. membership there, you get your 10% discount and you, you're supporting the club 100%. Um, uh, that's, that's the important one, mate, is supporting the club 100%. Uh, yeah. Make sure you get all your merch from, from the club because um, they really need, uh, you know, 
to generate some funds? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Stevie, I'll, I'll probably will be doing a doing an unboxing revenge on it. So, yeah, watch out for that one. Um, Non-ticketed memberships are now available on the Warriors website too. So you've got the $25 New Zealand Fan Pass, uh, the $35 Aussie Fan Pass, which has that wonderful picture of uh, Hammer and his daughters on the – uh, on the uh, advertisement and uh, the forty dollar red pass for Redcliffe based fans. Um, so yeah, yeah, uh, you can go to the the website, the Warriors website, or you can go to our link tree. Uh, we have direct links on our link tree um, to go and purchase those non ticketed memberships. So I encourage all of you who you know don't live in Auckland to definitely um, jump on it and get your non ticketed uh, memberships for twenty twenty two. Yeah, that's right. And we saw uh, during the week the Gubby Gubby, who are the traditional owners of the land, uh, performed a welcoming ceremony for the Warriors last week to officially welcome them to Redcliffe, Redcliffe sorry, which is pretty cool. Yep. Yeah. And the Warriors then responded performing an acceptance haka. So it's great to see that, that cultural traditions being carried on from, obviously, from last year. Famously, they did those cultural. Um, yep. Yeah, it's a great way to to welcome the team and honour the traditional owners of the land. Absolutely. Um, two and, SJs. Uh, yeah. yeah, the two SJs are back, mate. We saw them. Great to see uh, Sean Johnson back in club apparel, isn't it? Uh, all those shirts, do you reckon that picture would sell? Oh, yeah. <laughs> quite a few. It came out and everyone's like, and I get that shirt. Yeah. Polo. Uh, probably second, second best polo going around after these, I would say. It's uh, absolutely, yeah, yep. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, um, that, that as I said before, yet yeah, like those both those are out of quarantine, obviously out of isolation, and have joined their respective uh roles in the team. And yeah, and uh, uh another some more big news was in the week Wade Egan re signing until 2024. What do you think? Um, look, I, I've I, I don't mind the signing of Wade Egan. I think it's a you know it's a good signing. He's he's developing well into an eighty minute hooker. Um, the only thing that we've discussed is that now that um, Peter O'Sullivan's not there as recruitment manager and Craig Hodges moving into that football manager's role, uh, there's been a lot of talk about him uh, jumping on and, and signing guys. And I don't know if it's a knee jerk reaction um, to like shore up players because uh so that they don't go to market i'm not 100 percent sure uh, i know i have heard that chanel's been offered a contract as well but there's still been no word from the player or the club mm. um but yeah i mean in in return in regards to wade egan wade egan was you know our best defender he he, he had a like a 95 percent tackle efficiency um he he, uh, he offers a, a bit of stability in the middle of the field there um, so I'm not opposed to it, and uh, if if they're looking at Taniela Otakolo to be the the next big thing, then I'm quite happy for the Wade Egan to be there for another three years to guide him uh, through and and bring him through uh, at the club. So yeah, how about you, mate? What do you think of it? Yeah, it's it's a it's a solid signing, is what I'll say. Um, he's been uh, he's he's showed a lot of improvement in 2021. Uh, obviously, finding his feet in his first season. And a yeah, a disrupted season, granted. Um, but he showed some improvement, uh, a few more encouraging signs in attack as well. Yep. 
Um, so I, I, I think it's I think it's a solid signing. So he, he's back on for another two years, and um, we shall see. We Still shall no see, Ivan, mate. Still no Ivan, I'm afraid. So yeah, I've just I emailed guess. him just to see what's going on to see if he can jump back in. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but in the meantime, we'll just press on, mate. Uh, yep. With the info that we've got there. Um, yeah, upcoming. Chats. Upcoming chats, yeah. So 2022, there's plenty more coming at you. So we're hoping to, we're hoping to get back uh, early next year. Uh, we'll be bringing you plenty more content. We'll be yeah, late January, early February, and yep. we'll have George Gaddis, Robbie Mears, Henry Farfili, Ali Lawatiti, the lunatic himself, Nat Wood. We can't wait to get yep. him on. We're joining us uh, early in the new year, and yep, of course, we'll continue to make, yeah, yeah, very good one. And we'll continue to make those connections with the former players, uh, you know, over the holiday break and bring you more if they will enjoy like we're, we're watching tonight. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, absolutely. We'll continue, you know, putting our feelers out and, um, and seeing if we can uh, get a few more guys to come on, uh, which will be good. Uh, and then, of course, once season starts, we'll be right into our usual format of uh, reviews, previews, um, our weekly rants, uh, <laughs> which everyone loves. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and, you know, just a reminder to everyone too um, that we are on Patreon, which is our membership platform, enabling us uh, to uh, – enabling you, our followers, to show uh, your support uh, for us and the content we provide uh, by signing up for a monthly subscription. And Patreon supports multiple tier levels to suit all budgets. And each tier level will have its own rewards and benefits. For now, we have uh, our basic bronze tier up and running. Yeah, that's right. And um, you can head to our Patreon page. The link is on the screen there to show your support and subscribe to our bronze tier, which is uh, uh, set the lowest amount possible. That's just $3 a month, which is next to nothing. And we have partnered, as we always uh, say, and you can see us wearing the merchandise from Torius Screen Print as well. And they'll be producing the merchandise here, uh, which will be uh, available available early in new year we're going to work through these years and keep your eyes open for that we'll be promoting it through social for our social media on uh, instagram and facebook as well and it will be exclusive patreon only merchandise only it will be our silver gold diamond and platinum subscribers those tiers are available on patreon early next year absolutely and as always we'd like to thank and acknowledge um, those who have subscribed to our, our Bronze Tier Patreon program so far, um, their support obviously helps bring the content that we bring uh, in the format that we bring it. Daniel Delore, uh, Peregrine Falconer, Sean Kurzweil, Nick McKercher, Mary Carter, Fabian Maroa, Ciala Afamasanga, Stevie Williams, Alf Tualave, TK Harris, Ted Clark, Inamete, Lisa Marie Bateman, Ken Wills, Nigel Phillips and Kane Fraser. We thank you all very, very much. Yes, thanks, guys. We can't do it without your support, and we really appreciate every single one of you guys. So thank you again. It enables us to that we are bringing you in the format that you're seeing. So thank you again. Um, don't forget any of our live shows. You can catch up on Facebook page by going to the video section, or you can go to our YouTube channel and catch up there. Uh, the easiest way, though, is to find our videos is head to our link tree, um, which I will put up on the screen there, the link to our link tree is there for you. Yeah, you, you you won't miss any of our live guest interviews and special presentations. There's the direct links to each one of those there. 
And don't forget to hit subscribe on our YouTube channel so you'll never miss any of our streamed content or any of our interviews, little snippets, clips, skits, unboxings, whatever we're going to put up on there. Uh, guys. That's right. Uh, and if you're a podcast fan, uh, you can catch all our episodes on our podcast platforms, uh, Spotify, Apple, Google, uh, Breaker, Radio Direct, iHeartRadio. Uh, there's a couple of others out there that I'm not sure. Um, make sure you subscribe to us there. We upload our episodes so that, that they are there to listen to every Thursday morning. And uh, please on our Instagram uh, where we load upload content daily to keep our followers informed of all upcoming Warrior uh, events. Warriors news, player movements, all other Warriors-related content and Ruin Hammer-related content. Um, just going through a couple of... Absolutely. Uh, hey? I was yeah, going to say, just going through a couple of... Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, the, um, the comments here. Dave Stevens has written, you guys are literally at the top of the tree of fan-produced rugby league content now. You're currently interviewing the biggest and most important non-NRL player person in the game right now. Where can you possibly go from here? I'm staggered by and in awe of your rise. Um, thanks, oh, I Dave appreciate Stevens. That very much. Thanks we, for the kind words. We, yeah. yeah, we kind of got to uh, like um, pinch ourselves every now and then, don't we, mate? Oh, yeah. Especially uh, tonight. <laughs> I know. I just wish he, I wish he could have come. He, he comes back so we can ask him some of these uh, questions. Um, yeah, yeah. So apologies if we if we don't get to those. Um, we had intended to go straight into all your questions, and thanks to all you guys that did send through some questions as well. And we'll we'll try in some yeah. way to get those answered. <laughs> just uh, just waiting. I'm, I've emailed him. I'm just waiting to see if he's the, the only contact we have with Ivan at the moment is email. So um, yeah, or his home phone number. But I'm not going to ring his home phone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, he hasn't. He hasn't uh, responded to the email I sent about five seconds ago. Um, but I will just do – I do just want to say, uh, before we do wrap up, um, as everyone knows, this is our last show for this year. Uh, it's been an absolute blast. Uh, but before we want to go, we want to give a quick shout-out to a few people. Uh, Glenn Harris, whose birthday it was yesterday. Um, happy birthday, brother. Uh, happy we, birthday, miss you, yeah, we miss you and, and look forward to catching up for a Zoom beer in the next week or so. That'll be yep. a bit of fun. Yep. And just on a sad note, um, to one of our Patreons, uh, Nigel Phillips, uh, we send our deepest sympathies, uh, the passing of his beautiful wife, uh, Marie. Uh, Nigel and Marie have been regular supporters of, of Ruin Hammer. They constantly watch the show together. Uh, and we just want to give Nigel and his family all the support we can during this time and um, send our deepest condolences and sympathies in this time. And we, we are very, very sorry for your loss, brother. Yeah, absolutely, Nigel. Just let us know if there's anything you need. And, yeah, I just echo those thoughts from Hammer. And, um, yeah, our deepest condolences to you and the family. Yeah, and, and just lastly, uh, as I said, it is our last broadcast for the year. We just There's a couple of thank yous we want to do, and it, it is quite lengthy. But um, we'll start off by thanking um, the Vodafone Warriors themselves, uh, and in particular uh, Cameron George, Mark Robinson, Glenn Harris, Emily Rackham, Glenn Critchley, uh, Laurie Hale, Dan Floyd, Jason Fittis, Deb Welsh, Molly Gogus, Daisy Barclay, Economist, uh, and all the management and staff of the Vodafone Warriors um, who have been so accepting of us and supporting of us and have brought us into that Warriors whanau. Um, mate, there's no other NRL club or professional sporting organisation uh, that shows this much support to uh, an engagement with a fan-based webca webcast. 
and, and we're truly grateful and greatly appreciate uh, them uh, wholeheartedly. Um, to our good friend, uh, Warrior76, Mark Big Tooks Tuki. Um, Tuki. Our first, ever, uh, our first ever former player guest on, on Ruin Hammer. Um, he joined us at the Lord Alfred during the year for a, a Warriors fan function. You know, we, we put the call out and he was there in a heartbeat uh, during Magic Round. And, and we just want to thank him for the support that he gives us constantly uh, and, and the friendships that we've developed with him. Uh, to the current Warriors squad, uh, so engaging and giving up their time each and every game uh, week at the games throughout the season. Uh, you know, we posted plenty of photos after every game this year with with the players. Um, and in particular, guys like Roger Tuovasa-Shek, Jazz Tavanga, Josh Curran, Cody Nikorima, uh, Bunty Arfor, Peter Hiku, Jack Murchie, Ben Murdoch-Masilla and Jermaine Tarnall-Brown, who were always, um, you know, first out of the sheds to come over and say hello and have a bit of a chat uh, and give us so much of their time uh, post-match. And, mate, to the current and former players who have put it uh, enough to appear live on our webcast, uh, you know, it's it's not pre-recorded or anything like that. These guys are putting their trust in us to produce something uh, that's not going to basically stitch them up or make them look like gooses. It's a, it's a live webcast uh, that we do here, um, you know, and we to chat about their careers and their journeys. Uh, it really is a who's who of the of, of you know warriors greats that have appeared on our show. Um, guys like Justin Murphy, James Maloney, Clinton Torpy, Chanel Harris Devita, um, Jermaine Tanoa Brown, Peter Hiku, Michael Luck, Michael Witt, Grant Ravelli, Mark Graham, Josh Curran, Jack Murchie, Jazz Tavanga, Georgia Hale, Karina Brown, Mark Horro, PJ Marsh, Brent Tate, Kevin Campion. Stacey Jones, Steve Price, and tonight's guest, Ivan Cleary. Um, mate, truly humbled and honoured to have been able to connect with all of those guys yeah, and give them a, a, a platform to share their journeys. It's been, um, like we say it all the time, who would have thought 18 months ago that this is where we would be providing this kind of um, content for you know like-minded and hardy Warriors fans that tune into us every week? And to those people that do tune in every week, uh, last but not least, to all of you, um, to everyone who's followed us and supported us all season, we are truly humbled by your support. Um, without you, there is no Ruin Hammer. 100% correct. And I was just saying to, to like, it was only 18 months ago that we were looking at each other on FaceTime. It was basically the first time we'd ever really spoken and thinking i wonder if anyone would be interested in in what we have to say and the sort of the chat that we had and thankfully quite a few of you guys have been interested and the journey has been absolutely amazing to be to as an understatement and when you read out all those names it's just we're just so amazed and we're just so lucky and blessed that these guys have trusted us enough to come on the chat and to think that we're finishing off the season talking to warriors royalty in in ivan cleary yeah. Um, who was a wonderful player and a coach for the club. It's just, yeah, uh, humbled and blessed is, is all I can say in this journey. And so much to all you guys who have come along this journey with us and have supported us. And we're, we're just, yeah, yeah. I'm sort of like lost for words about how it's been. It's it's kind of um, it's it's kind of weird because it's it's been such a ride, and we've got to this point uh, now, like what are we December? Um, and, and you kind of don't want it to finish. Like, I, I, I'd be quite happy to continue doing these live shows um, 
all through Christmas, but you know, it's we need a break. We need to refresh. Uh, yep. It's just you don't want to try and kill the momentum. But um, we'll be back, uh, you know, bigger and better than ever next season with you know much more content. Um, you know, we've we've laid a platform now. Uh, we've kind of set the bar at a certain height, and um, yeah, we've just got to keep uh, you know putting the content out there that uh, people love to to see. Uh, it's unfortunate that um, you know Ivan bugged out uh, at, at when he did. I don't think we're going to get him back because there's been no movement at your end on that uh, on the platform, mate. Thing, unfortunately, but we'll see if we can organise something. But yeah. even if we can't, mate, it's it was a fantastic chat with him. And absolutely, uh, you know, we we got through we got through pretty much all the questions that we had and it was funny because we thought that uh we might only get him for an hour so he spent two two and a half hours with us um which is you know not what we expected uh but i kind of figured once he started talking it was going to be one of those chats because he was quite open uh to talk funny gee you can tell some funny stories it was one of the funniest we've had yeah he was unbelievable <laughs> yeah really good sense of humor um he's he comes he sometimes he comes across as a little bit poker faced and everything but it's easy you can tell a story and great sense of humor on the black yeah absolutely yeah absolutely um i think that's about it then mate if i, I don't think we're going to get ivan back um we do want to thank him for coming on tonight uh for the chat um and even though he's not here uh you know it's important that we acknowledge that um you know as we always say you know uh in ruin hammerland that um we say every everyone that plays for a club um i'm just trying to i don't even I can't forever yeah. and always no, yeah, forever and always yeah but that those who have played for our club Warrior, forever and always yeah, and ivan cleary is forever and always warrior 73. um it'll be great if we can catch up with him again in the pre-season uh maybe finish off some of those questions that yeah, yeah. So, so we'll keep uh, we'll keep a note of all your questions, guys, and in some way, shape, or form, we'll get them answered. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, thank you to everyone for for being with us again tonight. Thank you for all your support this year. Uh, we look forward to um, continuing the journey with you in um, season twenty twenty two. Thanks very much, guys. You all stay safe over the holiday period. Have a wonderful Christmas, ways. Go the Warriors. Go the Warriors.